0: Hi folks it's alicia thank you very much for your patience welcome to part two of i am noah part three just in a moment we are going to pick up where we left off in talking about Goshiyazaki and his 2023 and then from there we'll talk about kenno manabusoya and our end of year picks for 2023 as well thanks so much and
1: we hope that you enjoy So to go back to Jake's run just a little bit now, uh, we bring us to after defeating Sugira, Jake got a break from title matches and participated in the N1 victory tournament, which we discussed earlier. The winner of the tournament was none other than Goshi Ozaki in a triumphant comeback story. And he went on to face Jake for the title. Uh, So before we get to that, we'll talk a little bit about said comeback story. In September of 2022, Go Shiyazaki was sidelined with an injury to his right arm and was out of commission for nearly eight months. He announced an eventual comeback on October 30th of 2022, but we didn't have a date until April 16th. After the second match on the April 16th card, Shiyazaki appeared and announced, Everyone, I've kept you waiting, but Go Shiyazaki will be back. May 4th, Rogoku Koku Gigan tournament. Everyone, please look forward to it. And then concluded this exciting announcement with his signature call i am noah while the audience cheered on april 19th shiyazaki had a sit-down interview about his return with PKDX, which turned me into a conspiracy theorist for like the next three weeks or so one thing of note is that shiyazaki does state that during his absence due to shoulder injury in 2021 um, he did not watch much Noah, like that was straight up a plot point is that he did not watch uh, Noah during his absence in 2021. Uh, but during his most recent absence, he had stated that he had been watching Noah very, very closely. Stating.
0: Well, I can't keep up with the current pro wrestling Noah, if I don't watch it. I really felt that everything was happening and changing during this period. And I felt a turbulence that I had never felt before. And then he was asked, what have you done to improve your power during your absence? And Shio said, quote, I have done all that I can do. I'm not at a stage in my life where I can just say, well, I've worked so hard. I'd rather have people watch me in the ring and judge me from there. Anyway, I am confident that I can show you all the new Goshiyazaki, the new Goshiyazaki entering a new Noah fight. I am confident that I can show you that.
1: The interviewer then makes a joke um, comparing the new Go Shizaki to uh, Issei Sakamoto a talent in Japan who has gone by the uh, the nickname, the new Kasei Taishu, Shiyazaki corrects him by saying, no, if you want to call me that, say it's Shin Go Shiyazaki, um, deliberately using the word Shin, which is a homonym for a lot of different words in Japanese, um, including like true or um, dark, <laughs> God, a uh, lot of different ones. Uh, making the true nature of his return vague and unknown to the reader. And it's also like a Shin Common Writer reference, which is probably the most likely one from, from Go.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he speaks not only on his three opponents for his comeback match, Keno Manabusoya and um, Katsuko Nakajima, but he also talks about Kaito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inamura. He describes all five of them as his opponents and five people he desperately needs to outshine or else he will, and I quote, be buried by them.
0: Shiyazaki says, quote, on the flip side, there's no card that's as rewarding as this one. Instead of having people think he's back in a Noah ring, that's great. How nostalgic. I have to bring it to a place where people think now what's going to happen next? On Jake Lee, he states, quote, I am Noah is me. So what does it mean to be at the helm of Noah? I think you should think about it.
1: And then we come to his final sentiments, which I think uh, speaks not only to him, but the nature of Jake's run, especially with what we've already talked about with uh, Jake and real Noah.
0: Quote, yes, we have to create something new. But on the other hand, I think it's important not to think that the past doesn't matter. We must connect the past to the now. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about professional wrestling, learning about the past and the joy and gratitude of being able to do professional wrestling. Being able to continue is not a given. It's not a given that I could come back. I want to fight with everyone paying close attention to my comeback match.
1: He had one more press conference on his comeback match on May 1st, in which he appeared with a brand new ear piercing, um, which made the social media rounds. Uh, He repeated a lot of the same sentiments from the interview we just discussed. Uh, The biggest thing of note to me, however, was the ending of the conference in which he does speak again on Jake Lee.
0: He's asked, you have been watching Noah during your absence. What was the most memorable match for you? Quote, well, the GHC heavyweight title match between Kiyomiya and Jake was really shocking to me. But that shock has become the norm in Noah now. That's how exciting Noah's matches are. You never know what will happen. That's part of the fun. I used to be a spectator, but now that I'm on the other side of things, I want to bring that surprise and that fun to everyone. What was your impression of Jake who came to Noah while you were absent? Shio says, quote, of course, I think that Jake came to Noah, a fully developed man. I think it's important to see what he can show us, but right now I'm too focused on myself. I would one day like to fight him as the GHC heavyweight champion.
1: So this comeback match is of course best known for the post-match in which uh, Nak- Nakajima approaches Shiyazaki and proposes a revival of their tag team, Axis. However, I do find it important to note that Shiyazaki came out to the ring in his old 2020 gear, which Alicia and I both talked about in episode 36 with Captain Liu, that's a review of that show. This is crucial for his I Am Noah story though, as he brings up these memories of this historic fourth reign with the GHC title. And I love that you earlier, you mentioned like with Sugiura, be like how he's not, Um, beholden to the GHC where we get to see very viscerally how Shiyazaki is still like beholden to the GHC at this time period and that's what I got out of him you know coming out with this fourth rain gear which skipped over his you know princely cape that he had worn previous to this like we're we're going back we're going back three years on this so I wanted to know if you had any thoughts
0: yeah this was so disappointing at the time like it really did feel like him being completely unable to get out of his own way. Uh, Shiyazaki is someone who gets lost in the burden that is the GHC Heavy, that is the weight of legacy for him. Um, So him going back to the fourth reign gear really felt like taking a giant step back for him. And then of course them reforming Axis that night also felt like a giant wow. step back for both of them. Mm-hmm. Just our personal um opinions on that but yeah that that's what it symbolized to me though it symbolized being unable to let go of this period that yes was was critical for him he needed the fourth reign to happen um to become the ace that he was always meant to be that was denied to him in so many ways for so long right but you can't keep returning to that point at some point you have to move on otherwise you will always be burdened by the weight of legacy and the ghc heavy um so yeah it was a a disappointing decision to see that um he had made but an incredible character note because Shizaki wow. is committed to these character notes.
1: Yeah, I think once um we finally got to see everything play out, I'm a lot less like bitter about these moments and um and they feel less like going backward. I mean, they are going backwards, but now that we sort of get to see it and um and how it plays out, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, i'm i'm a lot less disappointed but yeah at the time i was like what are you doing <laughs> cuz he's talking all this stuff about the new go shizaki and and he got his fancy little earring and then it's the old go shizaki oh boy um and i did want to read just a little bit from um Nakajima, when he does get the pin and openly mocks Shiyazaki and then like threatens to slap him, but he states, uh, go Shizaki, what is this? What's with this pathetic appearance? Is this really I am Noah? Where did that strong go Shizaki go? Shall we try again? And then he offers his hand and, you know, he tries to offer it to Keno, which is like the... Most insane thing any human could possibly do. Um, And then, of course, of refuses. And just like that, um, Nakajima leaves Congo and Axis is back in business. Um, So we have that. um, Things are not all roses for Shiyazaki from there. Uh, Their next leg of the story becomes a real comeback story where he slowly works his way up from eating pins and relying on Nakajima to finally getting a pin of his own on May 28th, closing the show for the first time since his return with his signature, I am Noah, and then the crowd gets to respond this time with, we are Noah. So that brings us to a storyline that I just return to again and again. I think on Twitter I jokingly called these two my Roman Empire because I, I do think about their rivalry all the time. And in this attempt to make a full comeback, Shiyazaki decided to challenge Keno, a man he has not really been able to defeat in a singles match since June of 2017. That is up to this point the only singles victory he has had over this man. He approached Keno after his 45-minute draw with Katsuko Nakajima, which we talk about at length in our episode Shinjuku Face on a Wednesday um shiyazaki states keno next time a singles match with me fight me keno accepts readily stating
0: quote well, you after katsuhiko nakajima hey i will be anyone who is in front of me i'll fight you in a singles match but do you think you can beat me so soon after your return while you've been sleeping with your belly out at home i've been leading noah i'm going to make sure you know how strong i am
1: they then had like this little exchange where Shiyazaki tries to um, reach out for a handshake and kind calls him out on being tepid and has an absolute meltdown about it. Um, it's just a really funny backstage, but um, it's really does. And we talked about this in that episode on this match about how you have. Shiyazaki offering his hand in this very disingenuous way and kind of calling him out on it. And that's really where their relationship was at at that time. It was just a really interesting and well done character moment for the both of them. I want to stress that this match was largely about Shiyazaki's own drive, ambitions and quote unquote selfishness. The pre-match promo package before the match really talks a lot about Shiyazaki's need to defeat Keno before he can move forward with himself. And that's really true. Keno has never hesitated to question Shiyazaki's resolve as a wrestler. So to prove himself to Keno was to prove his own identity, not only as a wrestler, but as a piece of Noah itself. It's important to note that um, the date of this match is um, June 22nd was in Currican Hall, just two days before Keno's anniversary show in Tokushima. This was effectively an unofficial anniversary show. So a lot of people were there to celebrate Keno and many people have not seen Shiyazaki wrestle in eight months or so. So the arena was loud for Keno. And ultimately that did help Harry Keno to victory. Um, despite Shizaki just very viciously and expertly targeting Keno's legs all match. And Shiyazaki beforehand um, had said in a backstage, like, oh, the crowd's cheers will guide me to victory against Keno. And that's just simply not what happened. Um so after the match, Keno called out to both Shiazaki and Nakashima, who were staring up at him from ringside. Hey, Shiazaki and that guy next to you. Hey, Axis, N1 starts next month, right? I still want to beat the hell out of you two. We're not done yet. We're in different blocks, so I don't care which one of you it is. Just make sure one of you makes it to the finals, encouraging both of them to face him once again and pushing Shiyazaki to keep clawing his way up to defeating the one man he can never seem to beat. On July 15th, Shizaki got um, this breakthrough and pinned Keno during a special N1 preview tag match during the One Night Dream card. This match is actually really fantastic and I highly recommend watching it. It's like, Jake and Keno team up. It's really funny. Um, and the ending is great because Shiyazaki doesn't actually struggle for a pin on Keno. Keno starts taunting him way too much. And Shiyazaki gets visibly irritated, which Shiyazaki is just a master of facial storytelling. And he levels him with a lariat and makes the pin, which he spoke on backstage.
0: Well, Jake, Keno, well, they don't usually team up. I have my doubts about them as a team, but, well, to be able to get a pin from Keno is for me. He then trails off and laughs sheepishly before continuing, quote, First of all, I came back recently and gained confidence, but today I got a three count from Keno, which is the best confidence boost I could have before the N1.
1: Yeah, it's really important to sort of watch these videos, uh, especially with Shiyazaki, who, again, is just a very, like, visual uh storyteller like just a very visual storyteller and the way he trails off after saying like oh to get a pin from kenno that's well," and then sort of trails mm-hmm. off there it's it's so important to see like you you can fill in what he's not saying and it's just spectacular the way he does that and it contrasts so much to kenno who uh will tell you everything <laughs> in every single way <laughs> um, i'll say it's like
0: sorry to interrupt, but just for like the experience of Shiyazaki and how visual he is. I think I said this in one of the episodes we did with Dana, but one of the ways that like, um, especially before it was easier to get better translations and before me and Rachel knew each other and et cetera, et cetera, um, I would just watch videos of wrestlers constantly in just how they spoke, like in interviews or backstages or whatever, and I would just watch them all the time, and that's how I started to get to know people's personalities and Try to differentiate between character and whatever is through that. Like Shiazaki is someone who um, is great for that, especially now, like when he's like an older guy, right? Like watching him now oh. or a couple of years ago with the Noah because of those like he's so visual and everything that he does what he like he, like his eyes like to watch his eyes is actually really i think important the way he holds his mouth he does things with like his lips like he does a lot of these different cues and things like his voice the way that he uses his voice and inflection and the pauses the dramatic pauses like those things will make it really easy for you to follow him even if you don't know what he's saying because you don't speak
1: japanese Yeah, that's perfectly said. He's just really rewarding to follow in that way. And um, again, Keno is very much the opposite where he usually can keep his face um, very, very calm, um, but he will talk forever. And he had a lot to say on uh, Shiyazaki pinning him as well. So backstage he said,
0: quote, damn it, hey here in the Noah ring, Where I've been putting my body on the line and making things happen, I lost to a guy who did nothing but sleep on his stomach for eight months. Damn, I'm sick and tired of losing. Look, the guy who did nothing for eight months may be on a roll going into the N1, but I'm going to make up for this one loss from that paycheck-stealing prick at the N1 victory. Hey, salary thief, make it to the finals. I'll give you more than what you stole,
1: and I'll win the championship. That's, yeah, that's kind of all right, (laughs) So this brings us to the long-awaited N1 victory, which started on August 6th. The biggest thing to note here was Shiyazaki's new look that he debuted for this tournament, doing away with that 4th rain year, opting for a totally different look that better reflected his own personality. You summed that up beautifully, Alicia, in our episode with Dr. Jonathan Foy. You talked all about this look and his, um, the flower of his hometown, right?
0: He's using... Um the flower of his hometown when he comes out to the ring, which is super lovely. I really love that detail for him. Um, the tights are also done by a fan of his in like an action hero style. Shiyazaki loves um, action heroes. Um, he's also really into like manga and um, anime as well. He watches all kinds of different things. He's, he's super into that stuff. So it's like a super Shiazaki. Choice for him to have the tights done, um, in that style. I loved the leather jacket. He used to wear jackets like I mean, he wears beautiful jackets in his personal life. Like he's always styled so beautifully in his personal life. But when he was younger, um, in Noah, he would wear like jackets like that. Um, I think it's actually in his first Noah reign. He has a shoe pro cover where he's in a leather jacket. I think it's his first shoe pro rain or excuse me, his first J.C. Heavy rain, not his first Shupo rain, but one of his like first covers like that, he's wearing a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. um. So I loved that choice for him. And I thought the jacket too was very much, um, he loves like BTS, at the time like the d-day tour was happening which is august d's tour um and like very much a lot of the styling on that tour was that type of like the jacket that he's wearing right now um which i loved and like he's very influenced by um bts i think he really likes um august d so um it was really nice to see him kind of drawing on all of these things that make him shiyazaki go right which is what we've been talking about like i don't want to see you beholden to um the ghc heavy and the weight of legacy and being this sort of mix of uh kobashi-san and misawa-san like i want to see um who i know as shiyazaki go And, and i think that's who we're seeing more reflected in what he's wearing
1: yeah, I think that's it. We're finally seeing the Shin Go Shiyazaki, which can of course mean the true Go Shiyazaki. So uh, Shio actually stays uh, in the lead for most of the tournament with like some really huge wins. Uh, of note though, was on August 26th, where Shiyazaki and Manabu Soya fought to a time limit draw in a banger of a match. Uh, Shiyazaki expressed a lot of frustration at this loss, uh, stating are his feelings truly that strong or am I just weak? Which I really like as a sentiment because it's very, very Shiazaki, but it also speaks on Soya fighting with these feelings and these emotions, which become a huge, um, a huge story and a character thing for, for Manabu Soya. So on August 27th, the last day of block, um, matches, Shiyazaki defeated Axis partner Nakajima and Manu Soya defeated El Hijo de Dr. Rackner Jr. And they ended up tying at the top of B block. Since they had that draw the day before, a decision match was to be held that day in a surprise main event in a really, really good match Um, between the two of them. I can't actually pick a fave. They're both bangers. Um, but after this incredible 22-minute match, Go Shiyazaki pinned Manabu Soya to advance to the N1 victory finals in Osaka. After the match, Kenno came out to confront him and surprisingly didn't grab for the mic to make a statement. Um, instead, he just stared at Shiozaki, nodded, and then let Shiozaki close out the show, where he shouted, Thank you, Katsu. Soya, thank you. And Kawasaki, Thank you so much. And he vowed to win on September 3rd in Osaka. Going into this finals match, which is against Keno, um, Noah's YouTube channel released a video of both Shiyazaki and Keno's thoughts on the match, um, to which Kenno states,
0: Well, I wanted to fight Manabu Soya. Wouldn't the crowd have been more excited to see that? The crowd cheered more for Soya than for Shiyazaki, didn't they? That's the key. It wasn't N1 without the old guys, but in the end, it was Shiyazaki standing at the top again. You've been at the top of Noah for how many decades Go Shiyazaki? I'm tired of it. I've been tired of it for a long time. You chop, you lariat, and you walk around like Kenta Kobashi in pain and fight a match that feels like deja vu. Everyone is tired of it. It's time for Shiyazaki to move on. And Shiyazaki said, quote, I think if I don't win, Noah itself will not move forward. I was injured in September of last year in Osaka, and I have bad memories of this place as a result. But I want to turn September 3rd into the anniversary of me winning this tournament so Osaka can become a good memory for me. Keno says, quote, the future Noah will also be me. You damn bastards. From now on, Kenno is leading Noah, not Chiyazaki, so follow me. And Chiyazaki says, quote, I will never give up being the face of Noah to you.
1: Those are just some really heavy comments and Ken is just a really mean man.
0: <laughs> he's so fucking mean. I remember you translating this the first time when this happened, but his comments, like, just hit me again. Like, you you chop, you lariat, and you walk around like Kenta Kobashi in pain and fight a match that feels like deja vu. That is the, and I always, like, he said a couple of things like this. That is one of the meanest
1: fucking things he's ever
0: said. That is really mean.
1: And it's always about Shiyazaki. Like he says some mean stuff, but like the meanest stuff is always reserved for Shiyazaki. And, and it's mm-hmm. very mean. Um, And there really is something to be said about the weight of this match and how this match is about the face and future of Noah. Even though there really isn't the GHC directly involved, they're fighting over who can fight Jake Lee, who is such a structure in Noah at this point, and is such a dominant champion at this point that to be fighting over him feels like how it would feel to be fighting over the GHC. So it just increases the weight of everything. And it says so much about Jake Lee's reign and his time in Noah. And that's just really cool to me. Um, and I just really, really love that. So that brings us to September 3rd, in which Shiyazaki defeated Keno to win his very first tournament in his entire NOAA career singles tournament. It is key to note that Shiyazaki won this match with an elbow combination, a uh, rolling elbow into an emerald flosion before hitting the Kobashi moonsault for the victory. So it's just very interesting that you mentioned like he's not trying to be Kobashi, he's not trying to be misawa uh which you know he's not but then he does pull out this combination in order to win the match
0: well i didn't say that he's not trying to be those oh, people. Okay. Uh-huh. i said that he wasn't trying to dress in a way that evokes <laughs> them um okay i think much like um you know other folks there will always be for him like th- these moments where he can kind of pull out certain things to make you uh, certainly remember um, who has influenced him the most in his career. Right. And you're going to, I think, see it in these pivotal moments in these pivotal matches. Uh, and certainly he was going to um, pull this out for, um, for Ken specifically, right. Who is at this point, his most principal rival. I feel very comfortable in saying that. Although Soya, I think would be a very close second at this rate. Um, it doesn't surprise me that he pulled these out um, against Keno to um, stick it to Keno, who was fucking mean and, um, you know, quite literally called into question, much like, you know, we had sort of the you know, Jake saying to Marufuji, you're rotten, but you can still go. Keno didn't quite have the same sort of charm in the way that Jake might have said that to Mara Fuji. Um, He quite literally called into question Shiyazaki's ability to lead this company and to wrestle in this in the ring, in the Noah ring, right? So, no, I'm not surprised at all that we saw <laughs> this elbow combination into the Emerald Flosion, into the uh, Kobashi moonsault for the victory. Although I wish he would stop doing things like this for the sake of his own health but he is spectacular you know and, and i'll say about this type of, of 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 match for him we are moving into a period rapidly for Shizaki, where he will also have to reserve some of the better matches um for himself they will not be something that we see on a regular basis in the same way that we were used to for a very long time with him and i think people will struggle with this and i think people will uh, frankly, walk backwards into some very ableist comments about him. But this is also someone who has given a lot to pro wrestling as an industry and deserves a lot of respect before you start making really ableist comments about him. Um, So please be kind when you talk about this man. Um, It's very frustrating to see the level of ableism that kind of sneaks into people's comments um, when you're talking about people who um, need to modify their movesets or modify, you know, how they have certain matches based on um, what they're able to do with their injuries. Right. So I will say just that, but yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. Like I think he will always pull out these uh, moves that he has inherited through um, his own I am Noah story. And I think that's fine. I think especially to use them against Keno, his principal rival to win a uh, major tournament in Noah that had eluded him up until this point. I think that's all pitch perfect, but it felt better to me because he won it as Shizaki go, right? Like he really won it as himself this year. And it didn't feel like it was as connected to that need to get back to 2020.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. That's, yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. I think uh, that's exactly it. And he actually does talk about the finish a little bit, and I'll read that in just a second. But um, first, he does stand in Osaka, the victor, and thanks um, all the audience. But before he could really bask in the victory, uh, Jake Lee does come out to confront him and States.
0: Well, congratulations on winning the N1. I've always wanted to fight the strong Goshiyazaki, and not just strong. You are tough, getting up again and again with a clenched fist. And I think many people are fascinated by your appearance. The strong Goshiyazaki is finally back. If that is the case, then my next job is to sink such a man to the bottom of the deep sea. How could I say such an outlandish thing? It is because I am now at the helm of Noah. And Shiyazaki responds, quote, Jake, I forgot to tell you one thing. I am Noah. He addresses the crowd one more time, vows to win the GHC and then ends with his, I am Noah. We are Noah. I forgot um, how tremendous this entire exchange was. Again, if you are super nerdy and into watching Shizaki conduct an entire performance, I mean, this was a physical performance from him, but also from Jake, like this was the anime showdown of, I think both of their so dreams and the way that they played it out with Shizaki wouldn't even look Jake in the eye. For most of that exchange um, with like Jake's dramatic pause on the ramp when he's walking away and doesn't even turn around when Shio says I am Noah because Jake has already told him like I am at the helm of this company and he's leaving Shiozaki quite literally in the past as he's walking up the ramp. It is beautiful physical storytelling laid out there on the ramp in the ring for you.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I remember us messaging back and forth being like, oh, this is going to be like the most anime um, build to any match ever, uh, which eh, there, were, in some ways it was. But um, I was actually very surprised by the the build, but in a very good way. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but backstage, Shiyazaki was asked about the finish to which he stated, that's all I had left. That was the only way to break Keno. So I, I really liked that. And I liked what you were saying, or like, he pulls it out against Kenno, like, of course he does. Um, and that's what it was. It was that last, you know, ditch effort. It was that Trump card, uh, which I really like. And, and, um, it sort of goes back to Nakajima pulling out his trump cards, which are, you know, diamond office, um, like diamond ring moves, Kensuke office moves, um, Akira Hokuto's Northern Lights Bomb, things like that. So it, it's very connected in that way. And I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. Wow. And to that um, to that end, it should show you exactly what Keno is right now. in Noah, right, that it took um, the elbow into the. Um Emerald flosion into the kobashi moon salt to put him down. That's um how far Kenno has risen in Noah that it takes that combo of legendary Noah moves to take Kenno down in two thousand and twenty three like those things have a lot of weight in Noah storytelling it's it's not a it's not a coincidence like those are those are intentional parts of the storytelling it's it's as much as it is to help Shizaki win the tournament that's also left there
1: to build Kenno, yeah really well said. On um, Jake's comments about steering the arc, Shiyazaki stated, when I heard him say that in the ring, I am the one at the helm. Well, I didn't feel that much discomfort, which I think is the sheer amplitude of what he has accomplished. But I am Noah, which is fascinating. And that's really where Jake is at this point is when he says that someone like Shiyazaki The I am Noah, the guy, the reason we call these episodes I am Noah, doesn't feel discomfort. And that's huge. That's massive.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It is. Jake backstage was asked about choosing a theme for this match with Shizaki, to which he stated... What will it be? I have a lot of things on my mind, so I'm trying to sort them out little by little. I wish I could give you an immediate answer right now, but there's still time. I think it would be interesting to create a theme in the process, which we sort of get to watch happen. So the first prelude match to their title match was a match between Axes and um, Jake Lee and Jack Morris on September 9th, in which Jake got a direct victory over Goshiyazaki with the FBS. Afterwards, he states, I really wanted to fight the strong Goshiyazaki, but I guess he's not at his best, right? That makes sense, really. I mean, just take a look at Goshiyazaki's history, don't you see? This is a man who has quite a deep history accomplishing quite a lot which is like a very backhanded compliment way to like sort of say you're washed (laughs) it it was a it was a really interesting way he did that but what he's saying is he's like you're a washed up guy um you are in the past however shiozaki did get the pin in the next battle on september 10th pinning yohei with a lariat he stated backstage that he agreed he was not yet in my best condition, agreeing with Jake's words before vowing to get there before their match on the 24th and take the title from Jake Lee. September 18th was the press conference between Jake and Shizaki. And Shizaki started out pointing out that this match is actually champion versus champion as Shizaki is entering this match as N1 champion, which I thought was really funny and cute. But at its core, this shows Shizaki wanting to stand equal to Jake Lee. Jake, on the other hand, was quick to jump into what he had decided for the theme of this match. And this is really Probably my favorite press conference of the year which says a lot because we had the one night dream press conference (laughs) you know this this is really a phenomenal press conference if you want to go ahead and read
0: so jake says quote the theme of this match was originally reunion but that word didn't really sit well with me if i were to use the word reunion the meaning of the word would imply a close relationship between the two of us whether that be teaming up or fighting against each other But in All Japan Pro Wrestling, we hadn't fought or teamed up that much. I was a rookie at the time, and he was a signee. So a reunion would be something different. So what is the theme this time? I ran both my and Shiyazaki's careers through my mind. Then I found a common denominator. We are both returnees. Well, in my case, I had retired from the wrestling world, so the meaning is a little different. But the challenger next to me, Shiyazaki, quit NOAH and came back. He has things to think about because he came back, battles he has taken on, and emotions he has built up. That is also why I believe that there are things I personally can show, because I am a person who came back to wrestling. It is a very strange fate shared by two people fighting for this title, yes? Returnees. I say I am at the helm and Goshi Ozaki says I am Noah, but it is a returnee who says these things. That is why I believe that there are things that only we can convey. I hope to show that in my matches, after defending,
1: of course. So on the word return, uh, Shiyazaki then states.
0: Well, that's right. I haven't been described that way in a long time, but I think because of that time, I'm able to shout, I am Noah and will continue to do so. I think it was necessary for me to return, and I hope that will give me the power to win the GHC in the future. Um, There's a question immediately after Jake made his re-debut. You joined Noah, but what did you think about Jake, your junior, standing as the GHC champion after returning to the ring? Shiazaki says, that's right. It was June 2015. I believe that he re-debuted. I have memories of that time, and I also have memories of my leaving. Still, I believe that time moves on. So time moves on, and in that time, Jake Lee is now standing diagonally from me with this GHC belt, the pinnacle of Noah, I will crush this Jake Lee as N1 victory 2003 champion with either one or both of my arms. I have no hesitation in that feeling. And Jake says, quote, when I listen to him, it's not me that he's interested in. It's the belt. We just talked back and forth about old stories from back then. But I don't think he remembers much or any of it because Go Shiyazaki is not interested in me. What he is interested in is this belt. So in other words, he is that desperate. And Shio says, quote, well, to be honest, maybe it's the belt I'm looking at, but you're the one wearing it, right? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't frustrated after watching Jake Lee win the belt and defend it. I have no choice but to take that feeling to Jake Lee in the title match and win. And I just want to say, too, that Noah kind of perfectly leaned into this theme of returnees um, because they used pictures from when both of them were in all Japan together as part of the promotional tweets in the lead up to this. And it was really effective if you were paying attention to the storyline beats of this, like to see Shio um, when he was a triple crown champion and a picture of Jake when he was um, just newly returned to all Japan um, during that period. It was very highly effective and emotional.
1: Yeah, it is. It's really emotional. And it really comes down to Jake wanting to face Shiyazaki as the man he has become. That is such an important thing. And it's obviously about Shizaki wanting to um, show that he is Noah after having quit and then returned. And we'll talk just a little bit more about you know, that and that being really the reason why he says I am Noah. He is carrying that. He is, you know, internalizing that. And um, so yeah, the those promos and the promotional images were so, so evocative and so effective. So that brings us to the 24th. During this match, Shiazaki did again attempt his winning combination from the N1 once again with the rolling elbow, Emerald Flosion into the moonsault, but Jake did kick out at the last minute it was just really really harrowing um and then this led to Shizaki pulling out this desperate lariat that jake countered with the giant killing uh allowing jake to set up for the final exchange where he finally hits that fbs for the win and it's just a really 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 good match and it's another one that i think people overlook um which i can't imagine why like the the hype for this match was was pretty high but a lot of people tended to overlook it but it, it really you know why Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) People overlooked it because um, Shiyazaki didn't win. Like there was frankly just like a lot of people who, not to be excessively negative, it's just that Jake put in several stellar performances as GHC heavyweight champion in front of crowds who were very obviously (laughs) engaged in what was going on in these main events. And then the framework was laid in each, every one of these main events for such incredible storytelling and like not even hard to follow storytelling, right? Like we're talking through all of this right now. I don't think any of this is particularly hard to follow. Some of it is obviously the benefit of you being able to translate the way that you do and me benefiting from that. And then just me following the media the way that I do. I mean, that I think is the great shame is that there are people who just because Shia didn't win, didn't bother to really look into what this match was about and that's a shame, right? Like, that's, that's the great shame, I think, of, of Jake's reign is that I think a lot of people did get it and did understand, even if they didn't necessarily understand all the nuances, they did get that there was a story taking place here, and we're tracking it. But there was a lot of people where and you could see it with the Shiozaki match, Shio didn't win, so people didn't give a shit. Um which is a shame because you'd miss like such great storytelling from both of them because Shio still walks away with a lot of this because really Shio needed to lose here in order to kill um, the more toxic parts of I Am Noah for him, right? So he could just be Shizaki Go right now. Um, that was really important for him. that We've been waiting for that storyline to kind of come to an end for a while, it kept getting kind of um, put on the back burner because he got injured, unfortunately, twice, and we had to wait for him to come back. Um, but we finally got to see that put to rest here, right? This didn't, like, completely take Shiyazaki out, right? He was able to accept this loss and accept that um, the loss here doesn't make him not a part of Noah. There is still, like, he still has his, what makes him, you know, his I am Noah, Um and Jake is telling incredible stories here. Like the the theme of returnees was really important and really important to understanding Jake Lee. And a lot of people missed it. And that's um, that's a shame.
1: It is. It is. Um, and it, and it's just an incredible match. The finish is amazing. The way Jake's like hands shake before he does the final FBS like makes me cry every time. Um, it's just the storytelling is just phenomenal and um it continues because after the match Jake loudly and proudly expl- exclaims I defeated the N1 champion which wasn't even you know I defended the belt or I'm the, still the champion it's very much calling back to that champion versus champion framing that Shizaki had used which levels the two to equals and that's just a very unique way of showing respect I really enjoyed that he then nominated Kenno as his next challenger, which we will discuss in our next section. And Shiyazaki himself did not have any backstage comments, which is very common for Shiyazaki after a um, very brutal and big loss. Um, however, backstage, Jake Lee had a lot to say on Go Shiyazaki.
0: Quote, Eight months. Do you know what this number is? His period of absence. Eight months may seem like a very short time, but I'm sure he was battling a lot of things. He overcame a lot of pressure to win the N1 tournament for the first time. I think that was probably the shortest path to fighting for the GHC, but I think a lot of feelings were condensed in that path. I felt many things from him. I quit the wrestling world once and Go Shiyazaki quit Noah and came back again. I think he had a lot of determination. There must have been a lot of pressure then too. I think he had to fight against many things, such as the fear that he might not be accepted. Even so, you carried it all on your shoulders and kept saying, I am Noah. I say this because I am also a returnee, but human beings can reset themselves any number of times. When you reach 60 or 70, of course your body will stop moving, and you won't be able to think straight. But even then, there are always things that can be changed. There's always something we can change. We are human beings. I believe that Goshiyazaki is still able to convey this to many people, of course, through professional wrestling. That is why we have to keep fighting forward and win no matter what. I'm sorry. I got kind of emotional.
1: Jake Lee, but also <laughs> Goshiyazaki, like I just love how Jake really brings forth that fear of Shizaki not being accepted and then adopting this i am noah in order to sort of carry that on his shoulders which is it like i think i sent this to you and i said he just tweeted it out <laughs> he just said it like and and it's just really amazing
0: like clearly this part of the the title reign for him in this match like this story is that he's using like right like shio out for eight months and coming back um but then also talking about them both as returnees he's talking about his own experiences through it he's overlaying them on on top of Shiazaki, and it's the humanizing quality of jake lee right it's how he brings things into the personal and the way that he views people the way that he views people is is really refreshing and very i think unique to him and his life experiences and i think you really really see that in this match with shiyazaki Um, especially in his comments here like i think this is such a good example of just like how he views people and worth and what you can come back from no matter what and what your circumstances are and no matter what age you are like those are all of the the quintessential i think jake lee things that he's had to learn over the course of his at times difficult life right so again like if you If you maybe um, you've watched this match and you enjoyed it, but you didn't have some of the background or the quotes, go back and watch it with some of this stuff in mind, because I think it really adds to what they were trying to do in the ring. I think you'll get a better appreciation
1: for it, too. Yeah, beautifully said. That's that's really, truly it. it's just a beautiful match. So that sort of puts us to where Shiyazaki is today, um, which is kind of interesting actually. Since um, Nakajima's departure from the company, Shiazaki has tagged frequently with the two signed members of Real Noah, Marafuji and Sugira. And I started to really think that maybe Shiyazaki was starting to drift down to the mid-card, um, kind of where Sugira and Marafuji are right now. Well, Marafuji is a main eventer, but um but <laughs> Yeah. Alicia's face said it all. But, um, but, you know, I, I really started to think like, okay, this is sort of where he is now and would be considered a part of their unofficial little grouping. A lot of fans started calling them like the guardian trio of Noah, which I really enjoyed. Um, but what were your thoughts on sort of seeing this? I know we talked about it pretty frequently as uh Shiyazaki become a part of real Noah or not?
0: Not officially, because of the, you know, the generational lines. But I do think that there is something to him. And I know what we're going to talk about, like the stuff going on with Kojima and whatever. And, you know, I think Shiyazaki's entered a period where he's always going to be a contender. He's going to be vying for the title for as long as he is able to. And and, in that way, he's very much like Marafuji and Sugira. If you ask them at any point in time, they will tell you that they are always aiming for the GHC Heavy. That is... Just how they're programmed to be, right? And especially Marafuji, he's always like he's very consistent. He's always talking about wanting to get back and earn a title shot for the the GHC Heavy. So I think Shizaki will will take that tone as well, and he he's always taking that tone, right? Like he's always going to be talking that way. But I do think that he's going to float around the mid-card until he has a real program. Um, and we might see him enter a real program coming up. But I do think that for his general health and wellness, um, like I said before, like we're going to start to see him, I think, cycle off of... He can't be big matchio every time. Like he can't do it every house show and then every pay per view as well. He has to slow down and and to start actually actually thinking about preserving his body because he's a stubborn, beautiful man, but stubborn you know, would be the emphasis Very there. Um, he's so stubborn, but he needs to start thinking about, like, prolonging his health in the same way that, like, Marafuji has been able to. Um, Sugira is, like, you know, a machine. I don't know how he's been able to do what he's been able to do for so long, but he has to start making those decisions. So, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know that he'll necessarily be grouped with Sugira and Marafuji, and I think, like, one-offs will be fine with them, but I also like him sort of pissy and at odds with them, too, right? Sukira is still one of his um, most important rivals. Marafuji is still like a rival to him generationally. I think little um, little things here and there is great, but I definitely want him to still be at odds with those guys too.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. Um, and then that, of course, like you said, you alluded to is his uh, little story that he's got going on with uh, Kojima. Right now on November 27th, um, that episode of Monday Magic, Satoshi Kojima made a shock appearance as Keno's tag partner in a match between them and the team of Go Shiyazaki and Manabu Soya, which is really fantastic. I was actually really excited to see Sh- Shiyazaki and Soya team up because like you said, Alicia, like they could be a golden pair of rivals if uh, Noah really wanted to pursue that, which they should. But this match is really good. You should not skip it. Um, and a part of that reason, a big part of that reason is uh, Shizaki and Kojima's exchanges calling back their little rivalry from 2022. And this um, stuck with Shizaki because after his match on December 2nd, uh, Shio called out Kojima backstage demanding a match with him for Ariaki. Also of note, on the same day, Masakita Miya um, called out Tomohiro Ishii backstage as well. I wanted it to turn into a tag match, but no, I had other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm, I have more to say. but anyway, <laughs> uh, This comes up again on December 10th after Keno addresses Marafuji in a livid rant, which I will read a little bit of that later. Masakita Miya takes the mic forcibly from Keno's hands and declares that he wants to challenge for the GHC and will do so after defeating Tomohiro Ishii. Goshi Izaki then takes the mic from Masa, shouting, you and Soya aren't the only ones who are aiming for Keno's GHC. I'm aiming for it too. Keno, I want your GHC. And before that, Satoshi Kojima, come up and fight me. With both men looking to challenge for the GHC after Ariaki which um I've stated before really just puts a lot of value on the GHC especially this was the first like NOAA show after the uh, main event announcement which comes up with with Keno and Marafuji's tension but it's also really pivotal that we have like Masa and Shiyazaki standing before Keno like no this is about the GHC's and that goes back to exactly what you were saying like um, Maru Fuji, Sugira, Shiyazaki, they're always going to have their mind on that GHC. And that's just really, really important. So this, this promo just really firmly keeps him in that main event. Um, as we're going into this new era of Noah that Kenno is searching to build. And I think that's just really cool. In addition, after his match on the last hurricane of the year, December 20th, he stated backstage there is something special I want to tell everyone. It's not a dark thing, though. It's a positive thing. I am Noah, and he left it at that, so we don't really know what he's about to announce. I'm assuming it's a 20th anniversary show or a YouTube channel. <laughs> it could very well be a YouTube channel. But um, but in conclusion, really, I'm just very curious to see how Shizaki's role shakes out as we go into 2024.
0: It very well could be a YouTube channel because I've been noticing that he and Waka have been doing, like, meetups or something where, like, they go and they eat, like, really good food and they take a lot of photos and stuff. There's been people there with, like, cameras and stuff. So I wonder, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking of doing. But he would be, like, a really fun person to have, um a YouTube channel. People would fucking be obsessed um with him having a YouTube channel. So he fingers would. crossed, although we we definitely would. I do think a, a, an anniversary show would be great too. Um that also could be potentially where we see um him and the other one
1: uh yeah. link up again because the other one yeah <laughs> thinks, describe them the one next to you. Oh she has yes. and then the one standing next to you. That could be where Katsuhiko
0: yeah. was maybe like alluding to like there being future access events because they both have a 20th year coming
1: yeah up. that'd be fun to do like a reunion or like another match between them no no well, not singles like a tag i guess yeah i think a, a tag <laughs> I, I think i saw somebody suggest like it was i don't know it was weird it was like nakajima and Sawama teaming against like Sugira and Shizaki. Yeah, it was a weird one. Oh, that would be kind of fun, though. Yeah, I would be into that. Yeah. As
0: long as Hideki Suzuki isn't around to ruin it, I think that'd be great.
1: Oh, that was the other prediction, was that he was going to be the January 3rd assassin for all Japan. But, uh... And that
0: would have solved all of our problems. We get the hat trick with Hideki and um Katsuhiko, but instead he brought us William Regal. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cool. that's another discussion yeah Chiyazaki, we're in another kind of weird period with him but i think really as long as he is happy and healthy like that's what i think a lot of stuff is going to boil down to (laughs) in this episode is like i just want people to be happy and healthy and i think for him like that would be critical because he he did spend a lot of time in, in more recent memory being um injured and being very unhappy so yeah that's i think critically important but I think he will always have a role to play as long as he is able to be in a wrestling ring.
1: So that brings us to the man, the myth, the legend, Keno. Uh, returning to his trend of nominating opponents, Jake Lee took the mic after his match with Shizaki and nominated Keno, who once again is the man who handed him his very first singles loss in Noah. Before that, though, we are going to talk a little bit about Keno's year, because he had a massive year, which says a lot for him, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So starting off, um, after Keno lost to Kaito Kiyomiya in the co-main at the Nippon Budokan on January 1st, which, of course, we all know is legend by now. Um, He suspiciously didn't publish any videos or do any live streams afterwards, which I remember noting to you was weird. I was like really worried, actually. Um, But the reason why became clear three days later during New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom show, where he appeared backstage with the rest of Congo to confront Tatsuya Naito and his unit, Los Ingrenables de Japan. Shortly after, it was announced that on January 21st, there would be a full-scale warfare between the two units with Keno and Naito facing off in a singles match as the main event. So that's following up on their personal encounter from the Noah and New Japan crossover show that was last year, 2022, on January 8th. Keno was unhinged <laughs> during this entire build. Um, at that point, I had never seen him like go this hard. On a build on uh, his YouTube and that became sort of a trend going into 2023. He was doing everything from like buying LIJ shirts for every member of Congo, which he still has all those shirts actually. He was wearing the Bushi shirt um, in the like little mobile game for New Japan he did. But um, he was like invading Naito's favorite like cheap family restaurant. He promoted the match really heavily on his YouTube channel, including doing these informational breakdowns on Tetsuya Naito's career and calling it a Naito chronology. And he presented that in two parts on January 13th and 17th. They're really good actually. They're like really informative. And uh, this video became enormously popular. And his chronology series on YouTube became sort of a brand for him. He's released histories on Kento Miyahara and Katsuko Nakajima. He did Kento Miyahara again, but with more detailed sources. (laughs) And then he did Jinsei Live. And then recently he did uh, Tatsumi Fujinami as well. So he's sort of become like the wrestling otaku in a lot of spaces.
0: You're reminding me of when he did the Naito video, there was a lot of people completely mistranslating um, different parts of that video. So Naito's favorite cheap family restaurant became the restaurant that Naito owns. Um, And a lot of people were running. Yeah, his family owned it. A lot of people were running with that. And you could just tell who was using MTL that day. So fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we learned quite a bit about who could be trusted and who couldn't be trusted. Um, And for those listening who don't know, a family restaurant is uh, like a fami resu is a genre of restaurants in Japan. Think like a diner. That's how Alicia's always like sort of summed them up. I'm like, oh, a diner. Yeah, that that is what it is. (laughs) If
0: you're like into Naito Tetsuya lore, like he always gets like, I think the same thing more or less when he goes, it's like he he really likes the hamburger steak. steak. Yeah. Yeah, like, Like covered in the sauce. Like that's what I've seen him photograph with quite a bit. He always takes uh the journalist there from tospo it makes him uh take the bill um so yeah that's that's where they go is that cheap little family restaurant
1: yeah and uh, kind of like made a really big point to pay the bill and i think he like paid it like in full and then tipped double or something to like show Naito yeah, a little off. dig
0: at Naito yeah yeah
1: like I'm more generous than you and that's like also why he bought all of those shirts because he was basically showing off how much money he was willing to spend um versus Naito who's like a known cheapskate it was is a really funny build yeah so the build continued and Naito was just as unhinged. um on January 15th Naito ends up showing up for like an autograph session with the rest of L.I.J. in tow uh, Keno had been like inviting naito to a tournament he was like really loud about it on january 8th and you know we assumed naito wouldn't actually take him up on the offer and i think Keno was probably assuming he wouldn't either but um naito did show up and it caused a huge scene it went viral on twitter and it's really important that that really got a lot of eyes on Keno and on noah and like i really cannot stress how big this feud was i think Keno stated that his the number of subscribers he got during this build on his YouTube channel like tripled because of this. I think he got like 13,000 new subscribers like it was insane mm-hmm. um, which speaks towards Naito's popularity but it also speaks towards Keno's ability to just like manipulate the audience and talk to the audience and really draw people in and so these two were just really electric together and it really really elevated um, Kenno and Noah. And honestly, like the most important thing about this feud is actually how transparent Kenno was about that. It was a ploy to get attention and to create a rivalry between Noah and New Japan because he, he does outright state that. Um, during this January 6th press conference, which um, can be found on New Japan 1972's blog, Translated. But we're going to read just a little bit of it right now because it is really important.
0: Well, I'll admit there's a pecking order. There is. There's one for LIJ in Congo as well. I understand that. I understand it and I'm fixing to change it. If we don't try and change it, this business has no future. How long have we had NJPW as the dominant force? LIJ is the dominant force. Too long. In the old days in America, you had WCW and WWF. The boys all ate and ate well. Old days in Japan were the same. It was the best for the boys and best for the fans. Now things are getting stale fast with one set of top dogs. It's time for me to take down the biggest faction in the biggest company.
1: And and that's Keno. He's never going to obsigate what he perceives to be like the heart of the matter he is going to tell you exactly what the story is and what he is trying to do and he's going to blur those lines of kayfabe to do it he's going to he's going to really just draw that in because he knows that <laughs> he knows wrestling is fake and he knows that we know that too um i guess you can say he's like talks to the smarks but that that is how he tells his stories and it's really important and i just really really loved that paragraph for that reason Mm -hmm. so he did lose that match um but his i guess invasion campaign um didn't really stop there he was going everywhere at this point and um, that sort of started with that tokyo dome match on keiji muto's retirement show where um Congo faced off against All Japan, which of course is most important because of the reunion between Nakajima and Miyahara, but it's also important because Keno did pin one half of the AJPW World Tag Team Champions at the time, Yuma Aoyagi. So shortly after, Keno announced that he would be interested in challenging for the titles with Manabu Soya. Unfortunately, Suwama blindsided him by announcing that he and Kono would be challenging first. And Keno was incensed and declared on his YouTube that he had, quote, lost interest in the All Japan tag titles. He went so far to state, I am isolating from All Japan in his weekly column in Shupro issue uh, 2234. He instead elected to focus on winning the GHC tag titles from Daiki Inaba and Masa Kitamiya, which, of course, they lost. It was a really, really good match. Really important match, actually, if you are super invested in Masa Kitamiya, which we are. Uh, One day he'll make one of these episodes. That's correct. (laughs) One day. However, after defeating Suwama and Kono, Yuma Ayagi and Naoya Nomura, or their tag team name, Nomu appeared at NOAA on March 9th to nominate Congo as challengers for the title. This is a crucial moment for Yuma Ayagi as he really leads the charge to bring Keno and Soya into the promotion. Keno actually recognizes this, stating, and I quote, you came to a NOAA ring today, and thus we will accept your nomination and challenge you. I respect that statement, and I appreciate your spirit. You are a man who understands business better than the managing director, Suwama. I'm sure all Japan's business will improve if Congo takes on the challenge. He then accepts the challenge for March 21st, just two days after challenging Kitamiya and Inaba for the GHC titles, thus sparking this horrific idea to unite unify the two tag titles should Congo win them both. <laughs>
0: which was not something we took particularly seriously, but it was a terrible idea.
1: I, I kind of knew immediately that he was going to lose either like one or both of those challenges. <laughs> because generally speaking, whenever Keno has like one of these huge, grand, terrible ideas, it's it's sort of like quietly telling us that he's going to lose on March 21st, Soya and Keno do actually win the All Japan World Tag Team titles. They do lose the GHC, so no unification. Uh, but in true Keno fashion, Keno declared backstage that if anyone wanted to challenge for those World Tag Team titles, it would have to be in a NOAA ring. This resulted in Suwama appearing and attacking Keno with a last ride during the April 29th NOAA show, solidifying his challenge for the titles. Keno backstage congratulated Suwama for coming into Noah's ring to challenge, driving home that this has always been about getting more eyes on Noah.
0: And Suwama showed up in like his best pair of jeans for this. He looked like the coolest biker dad ever. It was awesome. We got a lot out of them going back and forth with each other, actually. And important to know, I'm actually surprised um, you didn't note it here, but Soya won the tag belts, the AJPW tag belts, um the day he became a dad
1: yeah real dad I, I know I have it written in Soya's section but I'm glad oh. he said that. It's well, we're okay. talking
0: about it now too <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We, can talk,
1: we can talk about that over and over again yeah. <laughs> little bit of spoilers there no. but Soya does uh, cry a whole lot after uh he wins and and then we do find out why uh later on but it is because uh he became a dad that day so mm-hmm. it's good So the All Japan Tag title bout between Congo and Suwama and Kono is set for May 21st. Backstage on May 14th, after defeating the newly reformed Axes in their first matchback, Keno goes on a long rant about how many different enemies he has amassed throughout the wrestling industry, and that does include um, Suwama and Kono, but it also includes Axes. The entirety of the Dragon Gate roster, his opponents for All Together again, so that's Kaito Kiyomiya, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kento Miyahara. And his teammates were all together again, Yuma Aoyagi and Kazuchika Okada. And this list really just shows what Keno has been doing for the first half of the year, leading up to um, this 15th anniversary show that he holds uh, in late June. And really what he's doing is building rivals, which just becomes hugely important. It's always been very important for Keno, but it's very important this year. And speaking of the Dragon Gate roster, uh, Keno does challenge for the Twin Gate titles in Dragon Gate on April 4th after Shuji Kondo uh, nominated him as partner and they defeated Big Boss Shimazu and Keizy. This led to a short but really dominant run from Keno. Um, he does finally lose the titles when Kondo fell victim to Yasushi Kondo's Candy Magic roll-up on June 2nd. Um, and I do want to note that like, at this point, Keno has not taken a pinfall or submitted at all since losing to Naito. Um, and he doesn't take a pinfall or submit to anyone at all until Goshi does it on July 15th, which we talked uh, about earlier. But that is really indicative of what his year looked like.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely
1: really dominant like he didn't win any singles titles until uh, October but it was a dominant year for him
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and in this sort of sphere it, there really is a distinct trend of Keno playing this sort of undeniable force coming into these different promotions in an attempt to stir things up and we see that in Dragon Gay, in New Japan and in all Japan it's just really impressive to watch
0: yeah, and he has, like, different approaches for how he does this. You know, you and I talked about his comments with All Japan a lot and whether or not we always liked everything that he was doing. Um, he really was trying to make All Japan feel like the shitty little indie, which you and I weren't necessarily a huge yeah, fan of. Although that. we, it didn't land with us, but we also understood, like, why he was going that route. It was interesting to hear him go that route because I was surprised he would do that, but what I did love is how he would talk to Yuma Aoyagi because this year was all about Yuma like fully self-actualizing and stepping into his role as an ace in all Japan or a burgeoning ace and ace on the rise, if you will. And his comments to Yuma were often him talking to Yuma as if like, you need to like grow up basically. Um, And those comments I think were really effective and like him trying to um, add to Yuma's story and build Yuma up as well. So, um, Keno did a lot for, you know, these little, um, these little pieces of story with different people and different promotions, even if not everything we, you know, we thought landed necessarily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he actually uh, did that with Dragon Gate too. He was like really pushing Ishin, I think is his name, but um, is- yeah, Ishin, he was really, really pushing and like making fun of this kid to like try to, you know, put eyes on him and the whole story of that match where like kind of just murdered that boy for like a good 15 20 minutes but um it, you know everything i saw after that coming from Keno fans were like oh wow ishan looked great he was really exciting because they all knew that that's what Keno was trying to do um so yeah that that really just speaks to um what Keno was doing in these promotions so he's not just you know trying to boost up himself or boost up noah like he wants to build the industry he really does and um and it that goes back to what that um quote uh in the new japan press conference was really about is the boys ate well he (laughs) he, he wants this competition he wants the boys to eat well he wants wrestlers to get paid right exactly that's that's really what this is coming down to and he he will not you know beat around the bush with that either On May 21st, Keno and Soya defended their tag titles together against Suama and Kono. Um, Suama was beside himself. He called for unfair referee interference because the referee wouldn't let him cheat um, and demanded (laughs) a, like, quote-unquote, fair and square rematch with referee Kyohei Wada, which we talk about on Talking Triple Crown as being just one of the most genius backstages. (laughs) funny. (laughs) And there there was like a series of matches in there where uh, both Keno and Soya appeared in all Japan and they resulted in Keno first and then Soya being knocked out and thrown into the voodoo murder, murder bag or, or body bag and carried off. And Keno vowed to never forget this humiliation and showed this commitment to never, ever forgiving Sawama by stapling two trash bags together, putting them over his body and going out to film a YouTube video. Actually, it was a live stream in the rain. And the reason I say this is because it did go viral on Twitter in a matter of minutes, like all day. People were just going insane about this. Like the amount of fan art that I saw was just unhidden. Maru Fuji
0: drew art and put it in his um, storefront, which is really funny.
1: Yeah, everyone I, everybody I've ever followed has drew fan art of this. and, And that just really shows the kind of like influence and like um, finger on the pulse that Keno channel has on, um, the Perez scene and Perez social media. He actually did an interview about this video with like a major news source, just talking about like his inspirations on YouTube and how he like works with his staff and comes up with these ideas. Um, it was just, it's just a really, really good interview. I'll, I'll find it and link it on the blog because it is just really worth the read. Um, so that official rematch was on May 29th, which would, wouldn't you know it, Wada did not side with Voodoo Murders, and Suwama and Kono did lose that as well. Their next challengers were All Japan's quote-unquote business tag, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi. Kento challenged Keno the day after their match on All Together Again on June 10th. He appeared in NOAH following a match between Kenno and Hiroki, who recently left Congo, and uh, Kento states.
0: Well, yesterday at All Together Again, I saw you and I thought to myself, the face of today's pro wrestling NOAH is Keno, that's you. I think it's time for wrestling fans to see Kento Miyahara, the face of All Japan Pro Wrestling, face off against Kenno, the face of NOAH, don't you? Next, let me and Yuma Aoyagi challenge for your world tag team belts.
1: That was tremendous. Like, I know, Alicia, you were, like, astounded that he, like, Kento said this. And and it's true that he said this, but it, it really says a lot coming from Kento Miyahara.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, Kento thinks that he is the center of the universe. So for him to acknowledge Heno as the face of Noah, um, as you mentioned before, Noah is a very odd promotion um, for a lot of reasons historically- Noah will never be a promotion, probably, that only has one ace. It's, like, written into the the storytelling at this point. That's the point, and that's why we make these episodes. Um, but keno absolutely is the face of noah when people think of noah these days keno is usually the first person that's going to come to mind and that is like keno is completely self-made in that way um he has carved his own path and his own destiny um to become the face of noah in this way against a lot of odds odds that were stacked against him so for kento in his position um, as the ace in the face of All Japan Pro Wrestling to acknowledge Keno in this way. It is a big deal. There is a lot of weight to it. And it's very exciting to have this sort of face versus face sort of showdown in the ring in this way.
1: Yeah, it was, it was It was really good. It was a really good build as well. Um, but Keno responded, which I just thought was really funny. He responds to this massive compliment uh, from Kento by saying, let me give you a short reply. Miyahara, you talk too much, which was just absolutely incredible. (laughs) Sometimes I would pull up videos to start translating them and see that it was like a five minute video and everyone else in the video says like one sentence and then Keno opens his mouth and I look at the playtime and realize like that entire four to five minutes was just Keno. And that's so when he says that Miyahara talked too much, like the whole audience lost their mind. (laughs) Um, But he does accept the challenge and Soya comes out to make it official. They do lose those titles on June 15th, but I cannot recommend that match enough. It is just a stupendous match. However, Keno's drive to increase his presence in Noah and the wrestling industry at large did not slow down at all. In a backstage rant on June 18th, Keno addressed Shiyazaki's condition at the time, as well as responded to a comment that Nakajima had made about Keno promoting his upcoming anniversary show. These comments further show who Keno is to Noah and the wrestling industry, so I translated them.
0: Quote. Hey, Axis, yesterday you made a comment that even though I lost the world tag team title, I was still promoting my own show? My own show? What? My 15th anniversary is not an independent show. My 15th anniversary is Noah's show. People will think I'm just trying to bolster myself if I'm putting on an independent show. You guys need to do your research and speak carefully. I'm not like you guys, thinking only of myself, working only for personal gain. I'm working for the future of Noah. I'm working for the future of the industry. Don't talk nonsense. My fifteenth anniversary is Noah's show, and I'm working for Noah and for wrestling. Hey, if you think about it for your own sake, Shizaki, what have you been doing for the past eight months? You did nothing. You did nothing for Noah. You did nothing for Noah's future. You just slept at home with your stomach out. I I have quickly transitions there to just yelling at shio <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's so classic I, I was thinking while you were reading that how many times have i made you read uh Shizaki? you're sleeping with your stomach out during, during this episode alone um but he was really hung up on it
0: <laughs> and to be fair shio did post a photo on twitter of him getting acupuncture with his his little belly out as a way to respond to Keno and Keno's salty way to respond to that was to screenshot it, not QRT him and then continue to talk shit over his screenshot of that. It
1: was incredible. It was absolutely the pettiest thing I've ever seen. They're so good.
0: This, this comment is just insane though, because it was Katsuhiko who said it, um, which was like ridiculous because it's like you left, you're an axis now, but he had so many opinions about, Um, what this would look like for Keno having just lost the title and like still talking about his um, anniversary show, whatever. And yet still finds a way to make like this terrible little dig at um, Shiyazaki, but then also makes the point of like, I, everything I do is for wrestling and for the industry. I'm, you know, thinking about this on a completely different level than you two who only think about yourselves, which is also just incredible commentary about um, access that you and I are just obsessed with going back and forth between
1: those guys. So it's great shit. Yeah, even his funniest, most random rants have so many different layers to them. I actually think I told you earlier that almost every single thing he said this year relates to I Am Noah and his mission to, like, increase presence in the industry literally almost anything I've I left out his press conference to all together again it's translated on um NJPW 1972's blog but he also talks about that as well um, particularly in trying to defeat Tanahashi like everything he says relates to it even you know the haha funny weird stuff he says somewhere layered in there is his mission to just increase his presence in Noah and, and increase the wrestling industry's presence at large
0: and you know we're going to get into it too as we as we get into the next section but it's important to really recognize the language here, right? Like, my 15th anniversary is Noah's show. It's really important to think about Keno's roots in Noah um, for him to then be turning around and saying that my anniversary is Noah's show. Um, that is something that we would hear of like, what a Fuji, right? Like, Mara Marafuji talks about Noah like that. Takashi Sugira talks about Noah like that, right? Um, so to hear it out of Keno, who has always started his, I think, time in Noah, most classically, being, you know, very much an outsider, very much, you know, against um, sort of the establishment of Noah, we've really come full circle with him, which is very much demonstrated by what you're about to tell us about next.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible. We'll talk about it later, that he manages to still be that rebellious force while also being the, like, my show is Noah's show. And, you know, I am, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he, he is- might really be the fun. Kenta. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we we could do an episode on that one yeah <laughs> yeah we really could um but we'll we'll definitely bring that back up but uh but yeah so 2023 was Kano's 15th anniversary year and uh he put an anniversary show set for his hometown in Tokushima On June 24th, in preparation for this event, he was doing live streams, talk shows, radio appearances, TV appearances every single day. I'm I'm not even exaggerating, sometimes twice a day. And that's on top of his scheduled shows in NOAA, All Japan, and Dragon Gate. So, like, the amount of work he was doing was bonkers.
0: On top of also being injured, he had um, an injury. I think he had a neck hernia. Yeah, um during this time too and yet was still keeping up this workload um to do all the promotions going into his 50th anniversary
1: yeah yeah we were worried sick over him actually um uh, but he he pulled through uh, yeah it, it's crazy the amount of work um he did into that uh the anniversary show actually aired live on his youtube channel for free it's still up there um, and in addition, he offered free tickets to any students that attended the show, offering to pay up to 500 tickets out of pocket. Um, really only like 25 students took him up on the offer, uh, but that, that's not indicative of the turnout to the show. The turnout was really, really good. As was uh, 1,327 attendees um, showed up in Tokushima, which is pretty far out of the way. So that's actually a really good number. Um, However, what is most notable about this show is the post-match after the main event, where Keno announced the sudden and immediate disbandment of Congo.
0: He states, quote, I think Congo is the best. We're so strong, aren't we? But Congo has been on the forefront of the industry for four years. If you want stability, there's no evolution. So as of today,
1: Congo will be disbanded. Needless to say, the audience was shocked and Manabu Soya immediately burst into tears, which we'll discuss more uh, momentarily. However, uh, what I really wanted to talk about was Keno's backstage comments.
0: Well, as I said in the ring, Congo is disbanding today. However, this is not a negative disbandment. We all have strong beliefs. For NOAA and for professional wrestling, we will now go even higher. If we want to raise NOAA and the professional wrestling world, Congo must be disbanded. From now on, we will create something even bigger. Listen, you bastards. Please continue to follow us, the
1: former members of Congo. I really loved this. Um, Of course, I was a little sad to see Congo go. I mean, I'm still sad. Every so often I think about Congo and and feel a little tinge of sadness. It was a phenomenal unit. And I I really do um, love them and love everything that they stood for and that they did. But this ended the exact way that I predicted. Um, And you and I had talked about this. For years, um, ever since like people started really talking about Nakajima being like the big traitor who's eventually going to destroy Congo, which would have been fun. Um, I would have enjoyed that because it harkens back to like NWO of Japan, which Kenno was a really big fan of. Um, but I think I've always told you it was like Congo's biggest enemy, not really enemy, but like the end of Congo will always come through Keno because Keno will always reach a point of stability that he knows needs to be destroyed in order for evolution to take place. He's stated about LIJ. He has stated this multiple times that LIJ is stale and they've always been around and they're always stable. Um, And of course, you know, things have happened to LAJ since then that have, uh, you know, mixed up that stability, but he's always talked about how that is never a particularly good thing. Um, and so these comments were just perfect. <laughs> they were exactly what I know kind for, um, is that whole, you cannot evolve if things are too stable. And that is why ultimately Congo had to be disbanded in order for evolution to take place.
0: Yeah. And I think it kind of, when you think about LIJ, you think about chaos, right? Like some of those like really now old um, New Japan factions. I mean, they are pretty stale. Like what, what are they really being used to do? Right. Even with like thinking about all Japan, like next stream is pretty much done again. Right. We'll see if like they ever have a time where they bring it back. But it says a lot when you can, kind of let something go before it jumps the shark. That's always, I think, the fear with these things. And I think that's kind of what Keno was sort of saying, is that beyond like the need to grow, you you don't want something to just kind of linger and and get to the point where it's just a name, it's just a brand that doesn't mean anything anymore. I think that would have been the worst possible thing to happen to Congo um, in the end, the way that I think we've seen it go with some of these other longer Stables. I think we talked about that a lot with um, Suzuki goon coming to an end, right? Like the it, can't, it went out on their terms, and the worst thing would have been for it to jump the shark completely, um, and to be taken out of their hands so that it ends on terms that um don't really mesh with the history of that faction. Um, so yeah, this is like the best possible thing to happen to Congo. We we talk about some of the nostalgia for maybe some of the other older. Um, Defunct factions in Noah, but like, do you really want to see Brave come back? Do you really want to see No Mercy come back? Probably not, because it feels like you would be risking something um, jumping the shark rather quickly, right? But I think that's kind of the nice thing about Noah is that even though um, things are always a little bit chaotic with our factions and they tend to come and go really quickly, it seems um, at least these things don't linger until they don't make any sense anymore and they're just names.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, yeah, perfectly said. And that's just again who Keno is. And um, long story short, I don't want to hear anybody say that Nakajima was the reason that Congo ended because he left for Axis. That's that's not why. I see that take a whole lot. And it's because Kenno is Keno. <laughs> K- it's the Keno. only
0: time um people give like katsukiko any agency for some reason is that <laughs> but yeah. like they rip agency out of that man's hands any other time mm. but in this that's where they'll give it to him but no like that takes away from like the sim- like the symbolic moment of keno ending this this faction that meant everything to him that was his rise to where he is now um ending it on his 15th anniversary like you kill a wonderful moment when you make it about katsukiko like that's not even good kayfabe
1: yeah yeah no, it's not. It, it, this is a story about Kenno and about him wanting to take a next step in his career and wanting the other members to take their next step in their career, which becomes massively important as we get to Manabu and where we are today.
0: <laughs> exactly. But also we had just seen in like their match, um, in Shinjuku face Katsuhiko and Keno we had seen that incredible moment of like Katsuhiko needing to take a step forward that incredible moment of growth in him him taking off his shirt and like the Congo shirt and folding it and putting it at Keno's feet like you miss that the moment of that the beauty of that moment the growth of that moment and everything that led to that moment when you make it about well he just ended Congo because Katsuhiko left like no like Congo had to exist for Katsuhiko to do that, to have that moment, to have that clarity, to say, I'm, I've am i grown enough with you as this in Congo. I'm ready to move on on my, on my new path. That was the point of that moment. And you miss that moment and you throw away that moment when you make Congo disbanding about Katsuhiko. It's not. It's about Keno also doing the same thing, taking moment. that yep. step forward, Oh, it's so frustrating. It's, it's all
1: and faith. This is about freedom and faith. This is just Misawaism. Yes, it's literally just freedom and faith
0: and misawaism. And we're constantly Ooh. beating the drum of this. But like again, like it's there's no, it's like what Dana said as well. Like, there's no wrong way necessarily to interact with this stuff and to watch wrestling. But we're not making these moments up. <laughs> so not that's where it's like. No, it's not fan fiction, so like when you when you disregard these moments and how they feed into each other, um you're really losing a lot, and you're just like sapping agency away from these men who create their own art,
1: yeah, that's perfectly sad. Um, so with that Keno sets out on a mission to climb to the top of the wrestling industry um, which actually was a quote that he stated and um, Tenru had some thoughts on that in his column which was so cool was awesome. um, yeah and then Keno had to do a column in response because you know he like read that column over and over again yeah but it was it was really cool and on July 9th, Keno de- debuted his brand new blue gear, doing away with the color that, and I quote, Jinsei gave to him, as he described in a Tospo interview. Um, so I thought that was kind of a powerful thing um, that Jinsei made him wear red. <laughs> 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 that, that actually makes a lot of sense because uh, Hayato Junior Food Show was wearing blue at the time, so... It does actually. Yeah, well, it does. We'll, we'll talk about that some, some other day, mm-hmm. but uh, in this match, he teamed up with Kaito Kiyomiya for the first time in several years, uh, just before the G1 started. Keno won the match and afterwards on Mike, Keno proposed that he would win the N1 while Kaito would win the G1 and they would have an, and I quote, unprecedented singles match between the N1 and G1 winners stating,
0: Quote, now everyone, I'm going to say something to excite the professional wrestling world. The N1 champion and the G1 champion will have a singles match at the end of the season. There's nothing more exciting than that, right? Only Noah can do that. Only Kiyomiya and I can do that.
1: Yeah, so this obviously did not end up happening. But um, in fact, Kaito failed to qualify for the G1 finals. On the day before the N1 even began, there's like a live stream where Keno's watching the last match with Ren Narita and you can see his reaction. It's really good. Um, It's it's very funny. But um, Keno's words here represented exactly where he is in his career and the kind of person he is. Like I said, everything he says comes back to wanting to excite the professional wrestling world. So, Keno started off his N1 on a pretty rough note with a loss to Adam Brooks. However, he started his comeback on August 10th after facing off against Yoshiki Inamura. During our episode with Dr. Jonathan Foy, I talk at length about this match and Keno's just, frankly, amazing post-match comments. Um, But I do want to stress again how much emphasis Keno puts here on becoming a wall for Inamura to one day overcome, uh, further building Noah's future. Just a really great match. Um, The other thing important about that match was Keno debuting his new finisher, the Keno Special, which is a modified amoplata that he also showcased on the next night against Dragon Gate's Yuki Yoshioka. He developed this move on his YouTube channel with the keto expert Ryuji Shirakawa. And he actually published that video on May 30th, which was like way earlier than I had expected, but that really shows how long he had actually been working on perfecting this before he decided to debut it. And I thought that was really cool. On August 27th, Keno defeated Jake Lee to advance the N1 finals against Go Azaki, which we touched on earlier backstage. After Shiyazaki and Soya's decision match, Keno actually stated,
0: quote, how long have you been at the top of Noah? I'll be sure to change that in this N1 victory. I am the one at the forefront of Noah. Hey, Shiyazaki, you took eight months off and came back after doing nothing. He started off weak, but after a few months, he regained his previous strength. Strong guys like him can't help it. He's tall, strong, good looking, and he's the leader of Noah. But I still have my rebellious spirit. Hey, go Shiyazaki, If you stay at the top of Noah, Noah won't go any higher. I'm going to change that. I will change Noah. I'm going to win the N1 victory 2023 and take Noah to the top of the wrestling world.
1: Which we talked about sort of that storyline um, earlier and about how like Keno's stance on that and Goshiyazaki's own stance on that um, and Keno did ultimately lose to Goshi on September 3rd um, to become the runner up in the N1 victory he actually had no comments on this and he looked utterly distraught after this match uh, the Keno channel staff attempted to cheer him up with a live stream after the show like they tried to surprise him and live streams after shows especially big shows are, are pretty much tradition for Keno and at this point but uh kind of stormed off demanding that the staff turn off the camera it was it was really dramatic very uh very big kayfabe like drama there
0: yeah very uh wwe with him which i appreciate very WWE. <laughs> um i'll say this to you if you if you note know in uh, the comments i just read out Um, He mentioned specifically that Shio is tall, strong, and good-looking. He does this a lot with Shio, but, like, he's also started to do it with Jake um, as well. But he's done it about other folks, I'm sure, too. But it comes up a lot with Shiozaki. Like, this is, like, a real sticking point to him that, like... Shio is like the prototype of what you think a wrestler is supposed to look like. He's so tall. He's so strong. He's so good looking. And this is like so irritating to Keno who has talked about like his own insecurities a little bit here and there. So yeah, this comes up with Shio a lot. And then recently he's also started to talk about Jake in the same way.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll actually, um, we'll read off a little bit of him ranting about Jake's good looks, but um, after shiyazaki proposes that match in june he goes on an entire rampage about how annoying and handsome and beautiful and kind Shiazaki is and how upsetting it is it's it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's just he's like it's not just his face his heart is handsome too it's terrible um yeah so that's that's kind of for you always finds a way to put someone over in the most unhinged way possible So on September 24th, after defeating Go Jake Lee does nominate Keno to face him for the title. Keno had been watching the match from the commentary table and came up to accept the challenge. Uh, As mentioned previously, Jake's reasoning for the nomination was simply to, quote, get revenge for the loss he suffered during the N1. He specifically states, I'd like for you to challenge me for the belt. What do you think? It's very gentlemanly. If you go back and watch the video, like it's, it is a very cool composed challenge. Keno reacts about as well as expected. Like he starts shouting. It's, he says quite a bit.
0: Well, hey, what's with all this intellectual grandstanding? Do you think you look cool by asking me the challenge? For me, challenging you is just obvious.
1: It's hard to try to translate the next part, but he goes on this rant, and that's what we talked about earlier, about Jake's small face for his big body, which is um, small faces are considered a typical facial characteristic for like an Ikaman, a handsome man. And he sort of then talks about his own big face, which is to say he's kind of ugly, but like, that's Keno, like you said, it's the insecurities.
0: Didn't Kento also use very, very, very similar language in something you and I read? And maybe was he talking about Anzai
1: in the same... He said that he had like a forward face, um, which I think is fairly similar. Okay. Um, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't quite putting down his looks the way that Keno was. Um, but he was definitely like putting himself separate from... yeah who was like you know traditionally the like showa actor yeah yeah whereas he's like I'm kind of more like a modern handsome like that's sort of what he was going for there Uh, very nice okay (laughs) I'm a a different taste yeah Yeah, that's that's what Kento was going for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but yeah it's all sort of related to that like well he's hot but you know I'm, I'm gonna defeat him so whatever mm-hmm. um, but then after he goes on and states
0: quote hey Jake Lee as an outsider at the helm where exactly do you think you're taking Noah I'll take that belt and I'll be the one at the helm and I'll take Noah all the way to the top of the pro wrestling world which is what all the damn bastards want to see
1: if you don't know already, um, we've said this multiple times in the episode. Bastards is like his term of endearment for the audience. Um, I'm sure you guys have probably figured that out, but it's it's not an insult when it comes from Keno. Bastards are a good thing. Anyway, <laughs> two days later, on September 26th, Katsuhiko Nakajima announced his departure from the company, stating that he was off in search of a, quote, a Spectacular View, which Alicia discusses at length in her wonderful episode called A Spectacular View with Lewis. Um, I say this because the theme of A Spectacular View is then adopted by Keno and becomes a running theme in the coming story. He also mentions Nakajima or alludes to Nakajima's departure multiple times. So it is important to note. Well, Keno hyped up this match on YouTube through a series of fantastic and mildly insane videos. Like, he triangulated the location of Jake's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu dojo, thinking that it was his house. It's worth a watch. It's
0: just Carpe Diem.
1: (laughs) He's like, like, oh, he's taking pictures from Carpe Diem. It was really, it was great. Uh, But the first actual preliminary battle was on October 14th. After, Keno congratulated Jake on becoming Kidami's tourism ambassador, stating, being a tourism ambassador is a good look for you. Jake reacted in a confused and flustered way, shouting, I know that already, and storming out is really funny. Uh, Keno does continue afterwards, speaking to the audience. It's true, he looks good as a tourism ambassador, but he doesn't suit the GHC heavyweight at all, does he? If he's the champion and he's at the helm of Noah, where will he take it? He might be able to take it to a world-class curling rink because Kitami is uh, famous for its curling team. Uh, But will he be able to take Noah to a place where he can see the spectacular scenery of the professional wrestling world? Taking the helm and steering us to a curling rink is useless. So again, just having these irreverent hilarious little asides and moments amongst really good, solid points about what the industry looks like and where he wants Noah to be. The press conference between Jake and Keno was on October 18th. Keno opens the conference uh, by stating,
0: quote, while some wrestlers leave Noah in search of a spectacular view, shouldn't they be able to make that view in Noah? Wrestlers have to create their own spectacular view.
1: He declares that he will create a spectacular view in Noah. Um, however, Jake, on the other hand, opens by simply declaring, quote, well, I came
0: to Noah and the only singles loss I've had is to Keno sitting next to me. I'm going to pay
1: him back. That's all. So, yeah, so you have this really big, like, difference in storyline here where Jake is just really driving home that all he wants to do is defeat Keno. Close out this storyline, and you know, as this relates to what he said way back then, when I feel like there is no story anymore and I feel like I've done everything that I've had to do here, maybe I'll leave. So you're starting to feel that and see that. Um, and I thought that was just really, really interesting as we're going through the story all the way in order. I'm you know really starting to connect all the dots here, um, whereas you know, Kenna was making this about Noah at large. Um, Keto is then asked why it's such a bad thing to have Jake at the top of Noah. And he straight up he, he tweets it out. He straight up responds. First of all, Jake Lee, isn't he an outsider? You can't make a spectacular view without the top players being of Noah. Jake Lee, if you lose the belt soon, won't you just head somewhere else? Maybe you'll go back to all Japan. And Jake sort of responds.
0: Jake says, quote, maybe I will go somewhere else. Well, I don't think I'll go back to all Japan at any rate. Maybe I don't know what's going to happen. The answer will probably come to me after this match. Jake is then asked what he thinks of Keno, and he states, quote, He is the blueprint for the modern pro wrestler. And then when asked to elaborate, he explains, quote, in the Rewat era, he is totally self-produced on YouTube. Other wrestlers have certainly started doing it as well, but I really get the impression that they started only doing it after Keno channel success. He really promotes and produces himself. I think that suits the current times we live in. That's why I called him the blueprint. Keno has asked the same sort of question, and he responds, quote, of course, I really think Jake Lee is a smart man. After all, we already got some good opinions out of him today, didn't we? He may go somewhere else, but he will never go back to All Japan. He's quite analytical, isn't he? And then he looks over at Jake and over at Okuda, who was the All Japan ring announcer before moving over to Noah. And then he looks back over at Jake, quote, think long and hard, the view from here. And he sort of trails off.
1: Yeah, so this was a really fascinating press conference in a lot of ways, because it really just hits a lot of story points. And it really brings back these questions about Jake, which actually, Alicia, you called immediately when this build started, you stated like, oh, Keno's going to get an answer for us on what Jake is doing after this. Like, I think before anything. And way before this press conference happened, you were like, Keno's going to figure it out for us. And that is exactly what he did. Like he, he opened with it. And um, Jake straight up sort of says, like, the answer will probably come to me after this match. So we started to get, like, really excited. Like, oh, yeah, he wouldn't say that if he weren't staying. And it is important to note that um, Nakajima had just announced his departure. So that is weighing really heavily on our minds and kind of even, you know, talks about, like, oh, so some people leave Noah because Keno, at this point, develops an allergy to actually saying Nakajima's name. Um, But yeah, so um, there's just a lot here. And um, there's a lot of respect from Jake calling him the blueprint and talking about how other wrestlers are copying him. Also important to note is that Kento Miyahara just announced his YouTube channel, so um, he's like sort of insinuating that and
0: Yuma K- had just made his too a few weeks prior to even Kento. So
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, they were all sort of uh, he's sort of nodding and winking and nodding at him um, These wrestlers just you know doing it because Kento started it. Um, and then, you know, kind sort of gives that similar respect to, uh, Jake and, and sort of almost asks him to stay by saying like, think long and hard and gesturing to Okuda who, you know, signed with Noah after all Japan. And he's really, you know, almost asking Jake not to leave, which is very big. And, and Kenos a little bit of like a quote unquote sundere, where he's never going to like really say how he feels he's always gonna be really honest about the storyline and where he needs to you know take noah but when it comes to his own desires his own feelings he's gonna be a little rough around the edges um so he's never gonna straight up say like i want to fight you and i want you to stay um well he does say that actually about jake but not before the match (laughs) um so after yeah before the match he's he's not gonna um outright ask it but it was really telling here that he sort of hints at it.
0: It's like we said before um about how Jake's comments in January about I'm not going to be here forever then it really through like through the entire reign right through Jake's entire reign then you get here um to their match in October now they've firmly planted it into the kayfabe which is really yeah. interesting and I you know we don't really know again like there's a lot of uncertainty over whether Jake has signed or not um, and again, I still fully expect Jake to explore his options um, going overseas. And he has every right to do that, considering um, how hard he's been fighting to get his passport and things like that. But I do think it's really interesting that they've they they they've taken that line, which probably could have been true at the beginning of the year. Like, what if, like, his time in Noah didn't go very well? Like, then he could have absolutely moved on and, and gone somewhere else, right? Um, but then firmly planting it into the kayfabe here and kind of really... Um, for Kenno, like Rachel just demonstrated, like doing a lot to like think long and hard, the view from here, like really appealing to him to stay, stay at the center of Noah with me. Like we're always going to be at odds because you and I have different philosophies on how to steer the arc, but stay like that's what he's really saying through um, the veil of his sundere sort of behavior. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to see that sort of planted firmly in the kayfabe right from um, this conference yeah, it's it was just really fascinating, but also very heartening, especially coming off of the Caspico news, because we could not do two departures, um, back to back. That would have been devastating.
1: Yeah, I was really hinging on like, well, Kenna would never bring this up if if Jake were immediately about to leave because that would just be too much. But you know, and to that, to your
0: point, he is so quick and from the beginning, like even months from uh, this point months back he's so quick to talk about all japan like oh you'll just go back to all japan like oh you ran from all japan you were unhappy with all japan true, yep. and keno has this tendency to um to talk about those types of things like uh, you know he firmly plants them like back into kayfabe right it's like that grabbing of things from like people's like truth and their their personal lives and reality and bringing them into the kayfabe into the public sphere and how we talk about things That demonstrates the kind of trust that him and Jake have developed over the last couple of months Um, for him to bring things like that up. If that was like a true sore spot and like there was a chance that Jake was going to leave and go back to all Japan, right? Like Ken just wouldn't bring it up. So that's where it's also really interesting to see like how he talks and how he uses again, like those things taken from reality and planted firmly into the kayfabe.
1: Yeah, it's really incredible the way he does it like, like I said, he's just a very smart man like he really is and it's worth really thinking about the way that he crafts these stories because it is very, um, very much like Jake said it's the blueprint he's he communicates in a really um, modern way it's it's just very, very cool. Um, And so going back sort of into the matches themselves, it's important to note that for four of the five preliminary matches, Jake could not defeat Keno at all, with Keno boasting three consecutive victories over GLG and then winning another one the day before the title match. Jake was only able to get one victory on October 26, thus furthering this feeling that while Jake could defeat every member of noah's top card there was a certain distance between him and kenno which is just very very important as we sort of think about the um rivalry between them and you know how we're building this because you know jake isn't weak and he's never been built to look weak in noah but you're starting to see like there's just this wall that he needs to climb and that's just really cool uh So another important note is that as these preliminary matches continued, the cheers for Keno just mount and mount and mount. The pops get insane, especially like the Monday Magic ones. Um, He could be announced on the card, like the first... um, Monday Magic episode, in order to get people in the building, they straight up are like, oh, by the way, Kenno will be there in the main event, even though it was supposed to be a secret match card. And people showed up because of that. (laughs) Um, So like his popularity really cannot be understated at this point. And this becomes a plot point. Uh, Kenno on his channel did two different public polls um, to ask strangers who they thought would win between him and Jake. Uh, the first one, he held a poll in disguise wearing a uh, tiger mask that he bought at Totokan and then a black mensuree mask that he probably got from black mensure. Um They're they're very close friends. And he went outside an all-Japan venue. Um, however, just about everyone recognized him. This is probably one of my favorite YouTube videos ever. But um, he did another one to quote-unquote avoid bias outside of a concert venue where nobody was familiar with wrestling. However, both times. Keno came out as the victor. Noah's YouTube channel decided to do one as well, uh, a more impartial one among Noah fans with Rena Motzki as the moderator. Keno won again and this time it was an overwhelming amount of support to the point where Jake actually even makes mention of this on October 26th Um, standing with all of GLG backstage stating As long as these guys are here to support me, then that's good enough for me. However, if you are one of the few who voted for me, thank you, I won't let you down. I will bring you the future that you want to see. Ah, sorry, I got emotional. I'm going to keep this belt and get my revenge. So that really just, that shows Jake. (laughs) That is just, that is Jake, a, a good friend who loves GLG and loves the fans and wants to bring a future for Noah. Um, even though he sort of hides behind his own emotions sometimes too, and sort of backpedals and apologizes for getting emotional, but that is who Jake has become through this Noah run. And we can really see that now. And I just, I like that backstage a lot.
0: (laughs) It's a cool backstage. And I also just want to point out, like, it's so cool at this point that like the the, Keno has like reached this sort of fever pitch with sort of the fan support that's tremendous but for him to have gotten there um it also shows like how how popular he had to get to overcome how popular jake lee has gotten within noah um Mm -hmm. i just want to point that out as like uh this isn't because i don't know i'm getting i guess frustrated with this like the the comments from you know the iwc about like jake's popularity um and like the constant weird baseless comments about how like There's no crowd noise during his matches, which is bullshit and not true. Um, There's no people in seats during his matches, which is bullshit and not true. Like, demonstratedly not true. There's, like, a large contingency of people who, I think, just turn on his matches. And because they want to see what, like, is already in their heads about him or, like, the response to him, that's what they're tweeting out. I think it's really annoying. Like, Jake's popularity was, like, insane the way that it, like, took off this year in Noah um they can like barely keep merch in stock half the time for him like he had so much merch released this year like his meet and greet lines are insane all of the time um so like he was extremely popular this year so for the fans to like get so behind keno again that like they left jake in the dust at this point like it really shows how incredible of a year keno had and how strong his story building was this year to get him to this point
1: Yeah, it's actually it's really charming how popular Jake is, and and honestly, like go back and watch the Shizaki match again because the crowd is really for Jake during that. The crowd is so Um, for Jake. (laughs) <laughs> they want Jake to win in that match. Um, and it almost surprises Jake at times. Like you can see it on his face because a lot of Jake at that point, he's really expecting the crowd to go for the other guy. He even does like his conducting of cheers and he got, you know, so used to them, you know, cheering for the other guy that it sort of became his his little, like not really a heel thing, but it became like his little thing where he would conduct the cheers to get them cheering for his opponent. And, and I think- Think he was start actually cheering for him.
0: I think he was quite used to that within um all Japan, especially towards yeah. the end, because he was doing like the total eclipse gimmick, um, going up against people like Kento Miyahara. He's like very used to that, right? It wasn't happening that way for him within Noah, not really, right? Um, especially by the time he gets to the Shio um match. Uh, the crowd is so like vocally behind Jake. It's almost comical because he keeps like stopping to maybe do something, um, that maybe makes Shizaki look like a little better. Um, but he doesn't need to do that because the crowd is so firmly behind him. It doesn't really matter. And it's because yeah. he did such an incredible job with the build to that match and talking about his story. J- Jake Lee's story is very powerful. And when he talks about it, people can't help but be behind him, which is why it's really important to listen to what he says.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's still that way. Like in um, like the house shows and everything, you can see Jake, like he'll start conducting cheers for Mara Fuji, but then the whole crowd will start chanting for Jake and he sort of just stops for a second. And then he'll like keep going and they'll, they'll start cheering for Mara Fuji, but they're like warring with the Jake Lee fans. Like he's popular. He is really, really popular. Uh, so that's just really important. Um, And again, Keno just blows that out of the water because Keno is a force of nature by comparison and um, Akitoshi Saito sort of talks about that and Keno's overwhelming support in a blog note that he wrote on note largely through the metaphor of jet planes reaching supersonic speeds um, and the fuel that's needed. For them to quote unquote break through walls he describes the hearts of the audience as the fuel for wrestlers and keno needs to like take that fuel and use it to break the sound barrier um akitoshi saito is just kind of great like that i always describe him as a as a man who sort of gets lost on wikipedia and then has a lot of big thoughts about noah but that's really what he was like talking about there is Keno needing to really utilize those cheers. Um, Jake sort of takes a different spin on this um, and he talks about it in the VTR before their match on October 28th. This, this VTR is actually kind of heavy. Um, He points out that Keno makes quote promise after promise to the audience, but he always fails to realize those words stating you endure and endure and endure and your promises to them keep stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And then he states that Kenno's victory over him in the N one was just a fluke and just luck and his luck just doesn't last. <laughs> and he always ends up failing at some point. And, you know, this is kind of true to no fault of Kenno's. Like we all know it's the booking, but um, the feeling of this is really palpable and with that this match becomes not just about a spectacular view but a match about the people's will to see noah blossom and both kenno and jake's place in it and it's just kind of amazing this match is a lot (laughs) um it's it's a really really incredible match and what always stands out is the audience's role in this match, the volume of the cries for Keno and just their absolute desperation to see this man win makes this match really palpable. <laughs> and like it's it's just a really emotional match, especially if you are invested in Keno's story and in Jake's story as well. Like it's just a really, really powerful match. Um, And the cheers when Jake finally taps out of the Keno special is just something else. It's like the tension has all just snapped. Um, Ending on a submission was a really, really good choice for that reason. Because if you watch the audience, you can just feel um, them, you know, really, really getting tense into it. I love the finish of that match so much because um, it's really over at this one kick that kenno gives jake like it's he brains him um it's a really it's if you watch enough kenno matches you know when he uses that kick um and jake does a really really good job selling it um but he still ends up kicking out which is just incredible from jake and it just makes jake look superhuman and then you know kenno rolls into the kenno special so it's it's just a really amazing match. And at the end, you get this palpable feeling that the people's champion has arrived and it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. it can't really say um, anything better than that, but it, it was, it's a beautiful moment. It's a fitting end to such a tremendous reign um, from Jake. Um, and it really was a tremendous reign. It's, it's so hard um to find a match that isn't kind of just fucking stellar uh the storytelling is airtight he had a great n one. um he was so well built um and it's really i think just down to um just jake lee as sort of like an, an artist and an innovator in his own right um he has a very specific way of of wrestling um that is very unique to him. I think Jake is not ever meant to be someone who is particularly polished. Um, And I think that people get really lost in believing that like every wrestler has to like be basically a savant, but Jake Lee is not supposed to be polished. Especially like when we go back and we think about next stream extreme um, 1.0 they were all meant to be like these four very different individuals from each other kendo is the savant jake was never meant to be um a savant he is supposed to be um a little less polished than everybody else like he's really the human factor um in that storytelling and that carries over into his time in noah as well although i do think that he improves in different things all the time, but he is an incredible um, storyteller and performer. And he uses so much of himself and his personal life to, to craft these stories and make you believe in him and, and make you see yourself in him. And I think that really is a testament to the strength of so much of the storytelling within this reign. And this really is like the, like, again, like the perfect battleground for him. Like he, he feels like so much of a Noah wrestler, even though we know his background, we know where he comes from, but this was the perfect place for him. And this was the perfect person for him to drop this belt to because like Keno, needs to be at the center right now. He needs to be the person steering the arc, but um, it does feel like him and Jake are at the center of Noah together. And I think that was also really important to kind of um, come to at the very end. And, and Kenno's, you know, final comments really demonstrated that.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's perfectly said. It's always really fascinating to me how um, the online wrestling community can praise um, Sabu for um, going on record to talk about how he would like, you know, fumble some of his high flying, you know, high risk top rope moves on purpose in order to, you know, build tension, which, you know, that's a good thing that wrestlers do Um, and looking rough on purpose, you know, makes the match more realistic But when it comes to Jake Lee, oh, no, he's just a bad wrestler. He's just rough. And you said it beautifully. It's a human element. He's not a bad wrestler. He's an amazing wrestler. Um, And he does pull off these incredible moves. And he's just a really interesting wrestler. And he's always innovating and always learning and always improving. And we're supposed to connect to that. We do connect to that. The audience connects to that, which we just discussed. He's very popular. So- You know, it's, it really just speaks to who he is. And yeah, this reign was just incredible to watch him grow.
0: Frankly, I think that Jake for as long as like the IWC hive mind, like the five guys in a discord sort of thing are still punishing him for like some of the parts of the total eclipse gimmick that didn't work. Like he's still being punished for things like that, even though he's not doing that stuff anymore. Right. Right. I think he's being punished for that. And I think that um, there's something about him being, like, objectively, whether you agree or not, a handsome man. I think that he gets punished for um, the same weird sins that Sonata um, Mm -hmm. gets punished for, which you and I have talked about extensively this will be another like this episode will become another 45 minutes long if we get into it but there is a reason why these like IWC like men get fucking bent about people like Sonata and Jake Lee because they are objectively handsome people and they say they see certain types of other people um becoming fans of them whether they know um that those people are uh are interested in in how they look or not but there's a connection there um in some of these guys so i think there's a lot of weird shit that connects together to make like this weird band of people who um don't like jake lee but in the end they miss out on someone who is um an incredibly interesting kind really unique person um in this industry and that's on them at the end of the day unfortunately
1: yeah that's it. That's exactly what it is. And, uh, and I am very, very happy to have had this run. And I'm glad it ended the way it did. And it ended perfectly. Um, he needed to defeat Shizaki the way he did with as much emotion as he did. And he needed to uh, hand it off to Keno. So the two of them could sort of build this new Noah together, which uh, Keno actually does mention in a Shupro issue that we're going to talk about. I believe it's 2273 but he uh he does state like right now at the top of noah it's just me and jake and um he wants to continue with jake and he actually states that actually in the ring um on the mic after the match he states
0: well i won the ghc heavy belt as you can see jake lee was really strong he was really cool wasn't he jake lee i know i told you to leave noah but that was definitely a lie I want to fight more and more against the strong Jake Lee and have a match like today's for the GHC Heavy,
1: right? So yeah, he, he finally admits that he wanted Jake to stay. Um, and backstage, he says it again and then has like, we talked about it earlier where he's like, wait, didn't somebody say in a small publication somewhere that Jake signed, but you know, we, we don't know if that actually was the case. Um, so who knows? (laughs) but uh kenno has gone on record to say that his adrenaline can run a little high after matches and he can just say things so
0: (laughs) we'll we'll find out probably in short order or or we may not you know And, and and in some ways it doesn't necessarily matter right now um i think that as long as noah remains his home base um i think that's super important i think the title of like freelancer or signed um, I know that really matters to Keno, obviously, and that matters since it's a kayfabe of it all, but um, I don't think it matters that much right now. Um, but I I, I do have a feeling that we'll hear good news um, in short order.
1: Yeah, I, I really do. And, you know, the storyline is about Jake coming to want to fight for Noah and, and want to build that new scenery of Noah as well. Um, so, you know, the kayfabe is what the kayfabe is, despite his actual contract status. Um We will discuss Manibu Soya's challenge for the GHC and all the various twists and turns um, and points to consider once we talk about Soya's year. However, I do want to end Keno's section with talking very briefly about the TOSPO Awards. On December 12th, Keno was named the winner of Tokyo Sports 2023 Fighting Spirit Award in recognition of his work building rivalries in other companies and creating buzz on his YouTube channel, which uh, was according to the selection committee breakdowns that was provided by Tokyo Sports editor Osano. He posted that on his Twitter. And it was just really cool to see that he was recognized for those things specifically. He's actually nominated for MVP, which I thought was really cool. He didn't get any votes. But it was still really cool um, to see that he had been nominated, I think, in three different categories just for the year that he had on its own. So while Jake Lee's reign came to an end, it's clear that the story of Noah's new era is actually really only beginning. And we're just going to look really closely at Manu Bussoya's 2023 and highlight why this upcoming match against Keno is so important, not just for the two wrestlers, but really for the promotion as a whole. So um, on January 9th, Manabu Soya pinned uh, El Quijote Dr. Wagner Jr. in a tag match and challenged for Wagner's GHC Openweight National Championship. Soya, at this point, had not challenged for a singles title in well over a year. So this was a really, really huge opportunity. Backstage on this challenge, Soya stated, I got the three count from the GHC National Champion. Now I can declare my challenge listen my eyes my hair and my costume are all red but the reddest thing is my soul and so the match was decided for february 5th and and that whole idea of soul and emotions and feelings running hot in Soya is a big thing for him i mentioned that earlier in shiyazaki's section but that becomes like his entire character (laughs) before that match happened soya was set to face sonata in New Japan on January 21st as a part of the all-out warfare uh, between Congo and L.I.J. Uh, Manibu Soya and Sonata were tag team partners with a rich history expanding from All Japan uh, to Keiji Muto's Wrestle 1. Soya won this match was really, really shocking and that actually set both men off to have the biggest year of their separate careers. Like they will comment on um, the Japanese commentary how Uh, Sonata's loss to Soya inspired him to go win the title. So um, Soya has his hands in NJPW 2 just a little bit. Um, Soya's match against Wagner is a must-watch. It is just incredible. Um, And it was very close to making my match of the year list. Uh, But what is really, really crucial about this match is the sheer amount of fan support that Soya received before, during, and after this match. Uh, It's just really incredible the way that they cheer for him as he leaves the arena is, um, I described it the first time I'd watched this match, like smoke following fire. It was just beautiful (laughs) the way they cheered him out of that arena. Um, And I really can't say enough about that match.
0: Shout out to Kevin Kelly, who clearly did not understand the importance of this match um, and then tried to bury Soya during the Forbidden War oh, yeah. commentary super randomly. Um, yeah, you don't fucking get it, guy, but it's all good, I
1: guess. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Kelly did not understand anything. I think he just called him like a guy from Noah. It's like, excuse you. He's <laughs> on his way to becoming the guy in Noah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, February 12th, Soya and Keno did challenge Masakita Miya and Daiki Inova for their GHC tag uh, team heavyweight titles. Uh, it's important to note that Soya is actually the one who issues the challenge here first with Daiki accepting. Uh, the challenge was unsuccessful, as we talked about, but it was an incredible match. Uh, the team does go and win those AJPW tag titles on March 21st. Um, and like you said earlier, Soya does burst out in tears and Keno embraces him. And that was all over Twitter and everybody cried and was so happy for Soya because that was his first title, um, since he had come to know him, since he had joined Congo. It was, it was, very important for him and more <laughs> important because like we said earlier, it was his first match as a father. So it was, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He was announced on that same show to be participating in All Japan's Champion Carnival from April 8th to April 30th. Uh, he did finish with a record of four wins and three losses, ending on eight points and failing to advance to the finals. However, he did get a pin on eventual winner Shotaro Ashino on the first day and finished the league with pinning uh, his old tag partner, Takao Amori, which becomes very important to him, actually. As I mentioned earlier, Soya burst into tears uh, for a second time this year upon Kenno announcing the disbandment of Congo. Um, of everyone still remaining in the unit at that time, he had been in it the longest and displayed the most loyalty to Kenno in that time. Uh, Soya's faith and love for Congo just really cannot be understated. And I wanted to translate the uh, this one part of ShuPro issue 2273, where Keno reminisces about Soya joining Congo. And he described that in detail. It's just really, really sweet.
0: "Quote: well, it's a little embarrassing to talk about this, but Soya came to Noah in April of 2020. And he said to me, I feel a strong belief in Keno. And I know that if I keep following it, it will become the catalyst to change my entire professional wrestling career. He threw away everything from his past joined Congo and became reborn.
1: And I thought that was just really sweet. And then uh, three years later, Congo is disbanded and Soya begins to cry. Um, However, backstage, Soya insists uh, that they aren't gloomy tears, stating.
0: Well, this is not a depressing moment, but a breakup where I can see a bright future and aim to take a step forward. I will definitely use this opportunity to achieve results myself. Thank you very much.
1: He's in a lot of ways speaking to both his own and Keno's vision for Congo to use the unit to push themselves forward and create that catalyst, like he stated when he joined Congo, um, to cause a big breakout in their singles career. And quite frankly, those tears are really what did it. And that is exactly what happened for Soya. Uh, his first match post kongo was actually in All Japan in a singles match with Takao Amori, his former tag partner in Get Wild, which was a pretty successful uh, tag team in All Japan. He had this reoccurring history or story with Amori throughout the calendar year. So there was a specific poetry in Soya encountering Amori right at the cusp of a new life, a new step in his career. Um, He did not debut his new gear at the show. Just opting for simple black trunks and dark hair Um, is a very short and simple match. But the crowd reaction to him in all Japan um, was just huge. And pictures of his newly natural hair was just all over the timeline. Couldn't tell you anything else that happened on that show, which was a weirdly good show, actually, for all Japan. But, um, it was just a really, really good little Shinjuku, right? It was a Shinkaba first ring, um, show, but pictures of Soya were everywhere. And, um, at backstage, after this match, he showed a lot of respect to Amore and announced that he was done with this, quote, trip down memory lane and wanted to focus on building his career in Noah from now on, declaring he would go on and win the N1 victory. He did debut his uh, official new look on the same day that Keno debuted his new blue gear, on July 9th. He was dressed in half red, half bluish teal shorts. Um, in fact, actually a good majority of the former Congo members like showed up in blue that day, which was just really, really funny. So the day before the N1, on August 5th, Noah had this really fun little kickoff celebration in a hotel, including an N1 rumble, where the winner would get a really ugly t-shirt made commemorating the event and their big win. Uh, Soya ended up winning this elimination rumble by eliminating Jack Morris. Afterwards, he stated in the ring, I won the N1 rumble, but I can't be satisfied with just this. I will win the N1 this year and bring forth a new dawn for Noah. The idea of the dawn became a running theme for Soya in most of his N1 backstages and his tweets. Actually, he says this again sort of on August 6th after this shocking win over Katsuko Nakajima, where he says backstage, hey, dawn is breaking. Dawn. It's almost dawn. And today, this first match, this first win for me, this is a win that gives me confidence, confidence and momentum. I have them both now. And with these two wins, things, I will win the N one. So we said it before, but one of the most important things to come out of this year's N1 is not only just the enormous fan support for Soya, but his budding rivalry with Go Shiazaki. And those two matches really are so good. And once again, that tiebreaker on the 27th, Um, It's really crucial to watch that match, but also to listen to the way the crowd reacts to Soya. Like Keno mentioned, like, well, the crowd liked Soya more than Shiyazaki. Why am I not facing Soya? Um, But they do follow him out of the arena again um, while Keno is staring down Shiyazaki. You can still hear people chanting for Soya. So one thing I want to point out is that Soya continued to hold this candle for fighting Keno, and never gave up on wanting to fight him and defeat him. Even after a relatively inconsequential tag uh, match on September 9th, Manu Soya stated backstage, I haven't been thinking about anything before, during, or after the N1, but Keno, I will defeat him. Showing that his drive to face Keno was something that went beyond raw instinct for him. Like Alicia, you and I always would like talk about how Keno just needed to like team with Soya again.
0: Exactly.
1: That, yeah, that he he was really fumbling the bag by not just like asking him to to tag again uh, because the, kinda, Soya so obviously just really wanted uh, to to be against or, you know, fighting with Keno. Then on September 16th, Manabu Soya made a huge announcement. He launched his own YouTube channel, Soya Soya TV-kun, um, and announced that he was married to fellow wrestler Koharu Hinata, Fans immediately noticed that Koharu, who had been on hiatus from the ring since December of 2022, announced the birth of her child on March 21st on Twitter. So there it is. Um, Manu Basoya was a father and won the tag titles on that same day. So that was just really cool. And again, boosted his popularity. So on September 24th, during Grand Chip in Nagoya, uh, Manabu Soya extended his hand to former Congo member Masakita Mia and Masa's current tag partner, Daiki Inaba, proposing a team between the three of them, stating, I don't want to lose momentum anymore. We'll continue to aim as high as we can. We are the generation to lead NOAA, right? So this group is not a unit. Um, Soya actually stated that in a November 15th interview with PKDX. He straight up said like, they're not a unit which i didn't even know he had said i kept waiting for unit t-shirts but apparently we're not getting them um uh, but Ugh, i know so
0: fucking annoying though
1: uh, i'm irritated i'm hoping they're waiting for inamura slash Yoichi to come back and maybe then they'll make it into a unit but um they'll maybe. make an his name back i don't know <laughs> some wishful thinking there but, uh, but they are considered, um, he does state, that they are a united front. And it's important to note that he is the great uniter and the leader of this little group. So that sort of speaks to where he is in Noah right now. That brings us to October 28th, uh, where Manubisoya came out after Keno won the GHC title and declared that he will challenge, stating, you're not the only one to create an era. I'll create it too. Next, I will challenge for the GHC heavyweight belt. Keno stated, I've been waiting a long time to hear those words. Keno immediately proposed the match for Ariaki Arena, which is a very important detail. um, And it becomes very important in short order here. So the first preliminary match doesn't go well. It's on November 11th. Soya tapped directly to the Keno special and Keno got a mic and shouted, "Hey, Monbus Soya, you're not good enough to create this spectacular view. Hey, Soya, come up to me and I'll create a spectacular view, which really creates um, the storyline here and encapsulates what their story is about. is Keno really wanting Soya to get on his level soya yeah, sort of um talks about this and this ghc challenge uh for pkdx on november 15th stating
0: well it's true that i have great skill and talent well maybe i don't have anything notable like great kicks however i will show who i truly am i will give away everything including my emotions in the ring and the fight for the ghc will be one of the best
1: yeah and that's really it. it is like Soya is all about that heart and that soul. I actually compare him to Kensuke Sasaki a lot. <laughs> um, he, he, he started doing like this pose that's very reminiscent of Sasaki. His body, his build is very similar. So um, there's a lot of like that heart and soul and um, showing that through his matches that um, is very reminiscent of wrestlers from that time. I just I really like that about Soya. Keno talks about Basoya in Shoe Pro Issue 2273, which we talked a little bit about before, um, where he discusses the GHC in particular. Something I want to note is that Keno states, uh, with my authority as champion, I set the stage for our GHC title match for Ariaki Arena. If I had left it to the company, they would have put it on December 2nd in Yokohama, which I thought was really interesting and and very much that rebellious fist that kind of always boasts that he is. Uh, When asked why he did this, he states.
0: Well, I wanted to raise the bar for him. Currently, Soya is not considered a main eventer who can challenge for the GHC in one of the biggest matches of the year. I hate to say it, but he's a Quark and Hall mainstay and a reliable upper mid-carter. In the words of Ricky Choshu, he's a biting dog. That's how everyone sees Soya. But from the moment I saw his face in Fukuoka on October 28th, I wanted to put my faith in his potential.
1: And a um, if we haven't talked about it before, a biting dog is like a um dog that is used to train like professional fighting dogs. So, you know, an upper mid card or someone that sort of gets people up to the mid card. Um, That is from a famous quote that Ricky Choshu may or may not have actually said.
0: May or may not have actually said. I think Cameron Lee has some um, has done some research into that. And we have some things that we actually haven't translated yet around this, but it's a very famous bit of ricky choshu new japan lore uh, and uh, fujinami lore at that
1: yeah so so kind of knows his stuff so he's he is saying this because he he knows we know our stuff too so that's sort of the the wrestling professor up in here talking his kayfabe so
0: and not the first time it's been technically referenced because him and sugira played off of this together too we they talked did about that a couple yep. episodes ago now
1: that's true that's very very true but yeah there's something to be said here for this story being about soya trying to rise to kenno's expectation and there's really that palpable feeling of soya trying to build the future of noah not against kenno's vision but alongside him and, and that really um, intensifies as the story continues and um, there's also something to be said for kenno's rebellious attitude taking charge of the booking of ariaki he placed that match at arguably their biggest show of the year because of the faith he has in both himself and Soya um, for stating at the end of that column, we're not relying on the past. We're not relying on big names. This is a story that shines like a diamond created and nurtured by the Noah of today. We will create a new era of Noah together. So that becomes really pertinent information as we get to December 2nd. Um, and where the Ariyaki card is right now. <laughs> um, so it's just really important to keep that in mind. Um, but before that, I want to really briefly discuss the main event for that show on December 2nd Noah the Best, which was uh, Kenno teaming up with his mentor, Jinsei Shintaki, against Manabu Soya and his own uh, master, Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, the more, majority of the storyline surrounding this match was about the really, really tight uh, quote-unquote father-son relationship between Keno and Jinsei Shinzaki. Keno at multiple points calls them like parent-child or beloved father-son duo, um, including like backstage at the November 24th show. Soya, however, has more quote-unquote complicated feelings towards Fujinami, which he talks about in that PKDX interview, as well as on Noah's YouTube, where they have this really cool series of interviews. They're really, really good. Um, The story is that Soya was Fujinami's disciple, but left Fujinami's promotion Muga in order to pursue a career in all Japan um, before a real relationship between them could even form. But what I really want to talk about uh, from this series is something discussed in Keno's video. Kenno, at various points in his career, has spoken of this advice that Jinsei gave him while he was in Michinoku Pro Dojo. And we've talked about this advice like several times in our Next Stream Rival series. And those words were, Alicia, do you want to say them?
0: You have to build a rival.
1: And on that, he states...
0: Quote, the thing that stuck with me from Shinzaki-san was his advice to build rivals. I think these were his strongest words to me. As a professional wrestler, you are always chasing one person or the other, and you must make rivals with whom you can compete. I was told that this was the most important thing, and I really believed that. And when asked if Soya is his current rival, he stated, quote, that question really frustrates me. There is no way Soya is my rival yet. After Kongo disbanded, I took back the GHC and he finally challenged for it. That made me really happy, but he's not as good as me and he's still not my rival. Please get there as quickly as possible.
1: So yeah, that really just sums sums it up, sums up the story um, that we have so far. And this match happens on December 2nd with Soya defeating Keno directly with a dragon sleeper. So Patsumi Fujinami. Uh, after this match, Soya tearfully apologizes to Fujinami for leaving his side all those years ago and Fujinami accepts his tearful apology and encourages Soya to go in the GHC, leading to a very heartwarming moment between Master-Disciple pair and further building this real palpable rivalry between Soya and Keno and, and building Soya, making him stronger. So that leads us to that main event booking decision of Ariaki. We've already talked quite a bit about it, but the GHC battle between Soya and Keno was announced to not be the main event of the show, instead placing Marafuji's first singles match with Kota Ibushi as the last match of the night. While we've already discussed a lot of Keno's year, I did translate... Some of both Keno and Soya's thoughts going into this match as well as covered the build uh, between them here as the storyline really pulls together all the strings and thoughts and themes of I Am Noah that we have already talked about throughout the episode. We mentioned the finish to that December 10th match between Keno, Marafuji, and Shizaki against Soya, Kitamita and Inaba already. However, I did want to highlight Keno's comments immediately following that. During his microphone after the match, he stated that Marafuji was, and I quote, always serving himself the best meals. That's always the case. That's why this pro wrestling Noah can't make it to the top. He then closed the show by calling for a full reform of Noah, stating, I have now made a decision. January 1st, Ariake Arena will be the start of a brand new Noah. You damn bastards. Be sure to come see Noah's match that will call for Noah's reformation. And support me by cheering like you did today. He then paraded around the ring, shaking hands of like every single person in attendance. It was just very babyface of him. Um, and he solidified his heart and soul as the people's champion. However, this doesn't mean we should count out Soya. After Kitamiya and Shiyazaki both declared their intentions to defeat their New Japan rival and challenge for the GHC, Soya stole the mic from Shiyazaki and declared that he intends to defeat Keno for the GHC and build a new Noah with, quote, his own hands as well. He continued with this declaration on December 16th after defeating the team of Keno and Yu stating backstage that he will, quote, create a spectacular view for Noah. So piggybacking off the words that Keno stole from Nakajima. Um, This match was just really good in general. I definitely recommend it for the storytelling that they really did here, where they really, really highlight um, two rookies, Kai Fujimura and um, Yu Owada. And they sort of get themselves involved in a pretty typical Boston Crab spot um, that really gets the crowd involved. And it just shows how Keno and Soya are just really, really deeply invested in building this future for Noah from the top down. It's just really cool. On December 20th, the last Hurricane of the year, Keno gets one final win over Mano Soya, reversing the Dragon Sleeper into a roll-up for the victory, allowing him to close the show. He grabbed the mic and gave an incredibly Keno-like speech, speaking right to the heart of the matter, as Keno so often does.
0: "Quote: thank you so much to all you bastards who came to Corkin Hall for the last time this year. Thanks to you guys, we were able to come this far in 2020. There were some strange guys, meaning House of Torture, who showed up before my match today. And even when I looked at the cards at Ariake Arena, I couldn't tell which organization the whole card even belonged to. <laughs> but this belt is real. The GHC Heavyweight Championship match where this belt will be fought is the true heart and soul of Noah. Listen carefully. Marafuji and Abushi. listen up New Japan Pro Wrestling. On January 2nd, Ariake Arena... Manabu Soya and I will have a match that makes you say, this is pro-wrestling Noah. All of you bastards better come and watch.
1: I thought you would be tickled by the, uh, I couldn't even tell which organization the card belonged to. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's really not. He really isn't. It really could be a crossover show. It's it's kind of horrible. Um, It really it's, is. And it, it's all the
0: worst parts of a
1: Wrestle Kingdom card,
0: frankly. It is.
1: It really is, um, but yeah, it goes back to really what he said before when that Muta Shinsuke match was announced, where he said this isn't even Noah anymore, um, and it's that's just that's Keno. That's he's never going to say it as anything but what it is, and and that's very very true. Uh, mm-hmm. Backstage he reiterates the same points, uh, but he also ends stating this quote: "I will
0: put on a match that makes you realize the heart of pro wrestling Noah." And the true heart of pro wrestling Noah is me, Keno.
1: It's really important to note that the phrasing of this in Japanese uh does include the phrase orega pro wrestling noah da, which is Keno's very own I am Noah. So he's never said that before, like ever. <laughs> um, trust me, I would know. So <laughs> I, I, I've been following this very, very carefully and always thought it was strange that he's really never like wanted to say it. Um he actually kind of hates that Shiyazaki says it because he hates everything Shiazaki does. But um but he's finally gotten to this point where he he can say it in his own way and he really does feel like the heart and soul of Pro Wrestling Noah. And and that's just immensely important.
0: It's very much like we were saying before, he's come full circle this year on a lot of this stuff. He's still very much that rebellious Keno, right? He's always going to be diametrically opposed to the things that he considers wrong for Noah. He has no problem stating what he thinks is the honest truth about these things that he views as wrong for Noah and Um, God bless him for it, because oftentimes he's saying what I think a lot of what you've mentioned before, a lot of what the hardcore fans or the Smarks are thinking. Right. Um, So that's really great. But at the same time, like this is Keno like finally stepping into like he is Noah. He is a part of Noah. Noah is a part of Keno, right? In a way that he's really not quite done before. It's something that could only be done when he had let go of Congo too. Yep. You can't get to this moment unless he lets go of Congo. Um, so it's a really cool thing to see him step into that while still maintaining um, all of the things that make Keno um, who he is.
1: Yeah, it's it's really important to note how like solitary Keno is here. And it, it becomes very clear uh with this like little next part I'm about to describe. But but it is. He's this solitary lone leader um, who's really, really come into his own and he's you know leading the force on his own. And he could only do that by. You know disbanding Congo and um the disbandment of Congo is really what got him to that point because being that solitary like up until um that december 10th show he had really not tagged with much of the noah roster other than like the kaito kiyomiya one-off um he's very much this lone ace figure and and it's just really, really cool to see. It's it's really incredible. Um, but on the other side of things, we have Monobo's Soya. Um, so up until this point, we've started to see some of the different ways that Soya and Keno have come to be that, like, you, you always say this about great rivals, uh, two sides of the same coin. Um, two men with the same goals for Noah that manifest in different ways. And we really, really get to see this on Noah's last show of the year, which is December 23rd. That's actually Soya's birthday. Um, also Keiji Muto's, but whatever. Manabu Soya's birthday. Um, <laughs> and on Manabu Soya's birthday, he does get a direct victory over Keno and raised his hands over an incensed Keno. But then he grabs the mic to speak and Deki Inaba actually takes the mic first declaring war on house of torture and new japan and this sort of starts this mic rally between kaito oiwa shuji kondo who also says i am noah so i don't know what, what he's doing but he was in a noah track. Suit. i don't
0: i don't think he knows what he's doing either so that's <laughs> I okay
1: new yeah. um, <laughs> to me, was there too yeah. and, um, he
0: definitely doesn't know what he's doing
1: yeah. he doesn't no. um Anyway, and, and Masakita Mia, who all take turns taking the mic and declaring that they would be fighting for Noah's honor at Ariake. However, the mic then falls back onto Soya, who stood in the ring, surrounded by his friends and comrades. So very much opposed to that, like, um, solitary figure that Keno is. He's, you know, this leader of an army. And he gives this rousing speech with his passionate heart, stating, Quote, well,
0: I'm going to take the GHC heavyweight belt from Keno. All of us, let's create a spectacular view of Ariaki together. Let's go. Let's all do it. Let's all go to Ariaki.
1: He then raises his fist and everyone else raises their fist in turn and shouts, Oh, together, spurred on by Soya's uniting battle cry. So yeah, that's that's where we are leading into Ariaki. Like you said, card sucks. But the storytelling that these wrestlers have done is is airtight they you really get this feeling of this war that they are waging for noah's soul um it's really them versus Noah's booking mm-hmm. but let's be honest and and Kenna will tell you that but but for the most part it's uh it's very much um Noah versus the world and um you get to see Soya gathering the troops to wage war and that that is soya's i am noah and i just think that's really really cool his his passion that burns bright even long after he left the congo red and i think
0: it's so special that it's soya right because he's another guy who i think very much um has gotten like a weird rep with again like the five guys in a discord like hive mind IWC boys club bullshit like he always gets weird shit from people and I've seen like the most bizarre comments about him even this year to the point where like, I have to imagine that you're not actually watching these matches. I have to imagine you're not actually watching Soya in the way that he's developed this year. But Soya was always like a very solid wrestler. Um And then Soya has also always been an incredible character wrestler, like has always been so solid on how to build a character and like the nuances of character, like he's outstanding um, with that. I think that his booking in Noah has been um, not the greatest. So it's been tremendous to see him come into his own this year and it weirdly being like him like being very hard on his sleeve about his emotions being the thing that like Noah finally was like, we're going to invest in this. And that's what got him like his YouTube channel and him talking about his personal life more and like things like that, which I think is great. But um, I am so glad it's him because he is such a tremendous talent. And it just goes to show like with the right level of investment and with the right opportunity, some of these guys can just fucking explode, right? Like All he needed was the opportunity. All he needed was that match against Sonata. And then he fucking took off. Um, And there's other people on our roster who are just waiting, I think, for that opportunity too. I mean, you and I could talk about um, Masa to death um, in that way. We could also talk, I think, about Daiki um, Inaba um, in that way as well. And there's probably other people that we're not even thinking of right now. But I'm just so glad it's him. Um, Like I referenced before, I don't think, like, you need to make Marafuji and Ibushi your true main event Um, if you don't want to. I don't think that you should disrespect Marafuji, Um, but I don't think you have to make that, like, the main event of your heart. Um, You can make Keno and Soya the main event of your heart if you feel that strongly about it. But I do strongly believe that that match is is really, and, and it's Keno's... Comments really demonstrate this. That match is critical because it's Noah um betting on itself. You need that match to go well and succeed, whether or not Marufuji and Ibushi ever got added to this card, because you need the middle gen to rise. And that is what we're seeing is really um the rise of the middle gen, not just within Noah, but also within all Japan as well. Right. Oh, yeah. that, the theme of this year was really the rise of the middle gen. You have Katsuhiko doing what he's doing right now in all Japan, right? And he's like being um, uplifted, of course, by um, Yuma Aoyagi and Kento Miyahara and um, all those other guys who are all middle gen guys over there, right? And then like so much of the main players right now in NOAA that we've talked about in this episode, they're all middle gen guys. That's been critically important this year, so you need this match to go well. There is a lot of pressure here for them, whether or not Abushi and uh, Marufuji gets added to the card, because this is the rise of the middle gen. You need the middle gen to really come through in a match like this.
1: That's perfectly said, and... I do put my faith in them. They have the confidence and they have the skills. And if you've been watching their preview matches, you know it's going to be a good match. So uh, keep your eyes on Ariyaki, Keep your eyes on Manu Busoya. Keep your eyes on Keno. And uh, don't count out Noah.
0: All right. Now that we're done with I Am Noah 3, we are going to talk about our end of the year choices.
1: Yeah. So, um, how do we want to do this? Do we want to end on Wrestler of the Year? Um, start I off. I think
0: with... we end on Wrestler of the Year. Let's just start with Best Gear.
1: Best Gear. Um, so, our actual category for this is Best Gear in addition to Katsuko Nakajima's new coat that he debuted in All Japan, because that was both of our favorites. Um, so, we picked two other than that. <laughs> um because that is like the most beautiful coat actually um you guys talked about it on talking triple crown and i was really glad for the shout out so
0: it's that's a stunning coat and i'll just say like again he looks like a feudal lord like a samurai lord this it's like his the person who made it for him posted it and then deleted i don't know if she reposted it she did all like the shots of like it for the details but it's stunning work, like all of the different layers, um, the beautiful, like picturesque, like uh, details like on the underside of the yeah. coat. It really is such like stunning work and like so perfectly encapsulates like what he's doing with his character right now. So yeah, huge fan of that. But I guess I I always talk about Yuma Aoyagi, I feel like, in this because I just like his gear. Like he hasn't like he did make some updates to it this year. Like he added like Um, a few more design things to it but like he's still like very much in that vest that he debuted last year um and then also the shorts but I love his gear I think he looks so cool that look is also to me very unique to him I don't think that anyone really looks like Yuma um when you think about it so I always um talk about Yuma I feel like in these because that use of like blue glitter too is like also just really appealing to me for some reason I think it looks tremendous so he was someone that I wrote down to be sure. And then I didn't really think of another person besides Katsuhiko. Who did you have down?
1: Okay, so I definitely, when I was asked for my talking triple crown picks um, for fashion moment, I said Honda's new look um, because oh. I really like it, but I like. I, I did lie. My favorite is actually Rising Hayato's new look. Um True. which he which he debuted for All Together again, which I thought was a big statement for him. Um just in general and it's it's Vivian Westwood is inspired. He's talked a lot about it. Like he's he's a big nerd for fashion, but he's a big nerd for his own gear as well. Um he based it on like his favorite pair of pants, which I thought was cute. Um he's like, "Oh, well, they're comfy in real life, so they'll be comfy in the ring too." <laughs> um that's you know, not to say anything about those shoes, though he's still he's still wrestling in shoes he shouldn't be in. No. Um, and my second pick is actually Hiroshi Tanahashi's um, lace-up compression sleeves. I thought that they were genius, um, absolutely incredible to take the compression sleeve look and turn it into like almost a bolero um, jacket in its own way, and just making it like taking health and making it fashion um, and it accentuates his back muscles. Like it's just so Tanahashi. It's perfect. It's genius. I I just can't speak enough on just the design element of that. Like it's just cool. So it is really fun. cool.
0: Yeah. Good, good picks. Um, I was just looking at another picture of Tanahashi in those compression sleeves today. And like, they are fascinating. I, like, I would love, I don't know if he's talked about them, but they're great looking. And you're, you're right to bring up um Hayato. Like, that Vivian Westwood-inspired getup is stellar. It's such a, like, specific era of Brit Punk that he's trying to reference. And then, like, in a lot of his, like, personal fashion, um he just did a thing with Yuma and Opski. I think it was just the three of them. It was, like, a fan meet-and-greet thing, I think, that they did. Um, But it was so, like, his look was super cool. Like, he had, like, the pants with, like, all of the safety pins through them. So, like... Uh-huh. He's just such a fucking cool dresser. And I will say too, like, Honda, I know that some people were not into it. I think Honda's look is fucking cool. I would love to know, like, what his direct influences are because, like, that's a pretty bold look. There's something about the size, I think, of the spikes that, like, immediately make me think of, like, the Flintstones. I don't know why. But, like, and that's, like, I yeah, isn't that weird? But, like, and that's kind of cheesier. But, like, I still really like it for him. I think it's interesting. And, again, like, no one looks like him. No one looks yes. like Hayato. No. no one looks like Yuma. So I would say that like probably some of the best fashion is easily coming out of all Japan these days because everyone looks so unique.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're vaguing Kaito Kiyomiya, Shota Umino, and, and Rohei Oiwa and all like the aces. They all look the same. So They all have the
0: same yeah. fuckboy tights on right now. Yeah. Everyone yeah, has the, the same
1: fuckboy tight. fuck tights. Yeah. But, um, uh, but you're right. Like the all Japan, you know, the all Japan generation right now, they all have these really unique looks and they're all really passionate about it. I'll have to dig around shoe pro and see if Honda's talked about his looks. See if Tanahashi's oh, about sleeves. Honda
0: has an article in shoe pro. It might be one I own. Oh, okay. If I find it, I'll send it to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cause I would love to read more on that. Um, yeah, so uh, our next category would be Tag Team and or Faction of the Year.
0: Um, I think this one's probably pretty easy for us, but it'll at least give us a, a chance to gush over them. I mean, for me, easily, like, Faction would be um Good Looking Guys, GLG, but I will say, like, I don't know that I expected this to be a faction I would really love. Um, I think I'm pretty well known at this point on the show for like, not necessarily being like the biggest fan of Geico um on these different rosters, especially Noah. Um, Noah has like weird track record with um, hiring different Geico Kujin to come in. Um, however, like I'm a big fan of Jack Morris. So that was a cool, I think, choice for Jake to work with. Couldn't have imagined that they would work so well together though. You know, and I think that's, like, a testament, though, to, like, who Jack is as a person and, like, his willingness to enmesh himself in the Noah culture, um, which was really, really important. But, like, the way that I have fallen in love with Mr. Anthony Green, I mean, what a special, special guy. He is truly, to me, like, I make jokes with him being, like, the true ace of Noah, but, like, sometimes I half believe it. Like, he is so special. And, again, like, someone who was really willing to truly immerse himself in the culture of Noah but also in like Japanese culture in a way that's like not him looking for likes and RTs on Twitter like he really is being authentic I think in how he portrays himself which I think counts for a lot um so yeah like he's just such a great guy and like the way that they interact with each other is lovely I think yohei and tadasuke of course are like incredible um additions to that group as well and like their organic friendships that have all developed with each other has been beautiful um lj cleary like kind of got through my usually like a geico kujan has to get through at least like a two-year probation period with me (laughs) um but like uh, anthony and him like kind of sailed through the the probation period with me at least for now um i really love lj too like he also adds something to the group like they just have a great dynamic um it's been so cool to see crowds like really get behind these guys and like get super into them um I love watching them kind of get to be like sort of uh raw heels on Monday Magic right like that's sort of (laughs) super fun um especially when they debuted LJ and like all that stuff with um Riohei Oiwa like that was so funny because like that was so WWE in a way that was really charming
1: um, I was practicing for when he gets betrayed for someone going to House of Torture. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was like really trying to get like really getting into it.
0: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, like it, it, for me, it's like it's easily faction of the year. I I don't even know necessarily if like if they even anticipated what they would become this year, but. Um, it helps again that like they're they're like the only faction at this point in Noah. So like, it's not like they have like stiff competition, but I do think that they're a very special team and I hope that they get to be a team for um, a long time. Because I think there's a lot that you can do with these guys, these core guys. Um, I like that they're kind of this um, international sort of feeling group too. And that was yeah. intentional in the way that Jake talked about this group. I love that. I love the embracing of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's fucking cool. They're great guys. I'm trying to think about tag team really quick. Um, I guess I'll always sort of lean on, I mean, Nomuyagi is like an obvious pick for me. I talked about that extensively in Talking Triple Crown, but I guess for the purposes of this, I'll also say like, I'm really quite passionate about, um, Masa Kedemiya and Daiki Inaba and their relationship, um, recently masa on his instagram posted a photo of them or like two photos of them and and he said that they are wrestlers like who inspire each other and i love that i think that's great um i think that they have a lot of potential even beyond what they've already been able to do together and i just really want them to continue to be successful and um they had a phenomenal match with glg um so yeah that i'll choose them for tag team for sure
1: that's a really good choice for tag team. Um I I put New Period uh, just because I didn't really get a chance to, you know, talk about them on Talking Triple Crown. Um, I really, really do love them. I love what they're doing. And I like, you know, di- the dynamic that they're sort of building on Twitter where um, Honda's just sort of this outrageous guy and Anzai like looks at him like sort of disappointed, but like fond in that same way. Like, oh, what am I going to do with you? And and it's almost sitcom-y the way that they are, but like in the ring, they're just amazing. and And all of their matches are just, phenomenal um because they are phenomenal talents but they just you know are great together but i do um also want to shout out uh massa and Daiki because um i noticed while i was going through this episode um for i am noah i kept like Taking like detours to go like pretty much read um, and re-listen to everything that uh, Masa and Daiki did, and including like going through some press conferences that I hadn't touched before. Um, and you got all the updates, Alicia, about that. But I realized like just how invested. I really am in them. I'm like, oh wait, I have to go look at this again and, and read this again. And and we discovered whole new Kensuke office lore that we'll talk about later. <laughs> we got a whole new line out of Masa I didn't even know existed. And that devastated mm-hmm. us. Um, but but they're just really great storytellers. Um, and they're they bring out the best in each other and and they were sort of like they've noted like they're sort of awkward, but they you really want this to work, and it's just good to see. Um, it's good to see the way that it has worked and that they're still together as a tag team. And I just really like them. Um, my faction of the year, I was going to like try to, to get a reaction out of you to be like, oh, it's, um, natural vibes from Dragon Gate, but I, I can't even. Okay. Well, I did get a good reaction there. <laughs> But no, I can't lie. It's it's of course it's GLG. It's it's good looking guys. Um, They're all great. And you really said it perfectly. Um, The one thing I wanted to say I love with LJ Cleary is that he is not afraid to look like a really like comically like unlucky bad wrestler in these tag matches where he always gets owned over and over again. Like there's this really good one where um, they're like running a train on Masa Mia, and like Masa always kicks him back, but then like takes a hit from everybody else in GLG. But then whenever LJ comes around, he just like hits him down. Um, so it's just funny. I like the way that um, LJ and actually Anthony Green in these like, you know, group tags, they're always um, willing to be that mid-card comedy guy. and. Um, it's really fun. It's cool to see. And it's like you said, it's immersing themselves into that Perot culture, into that Noah culture. Um, and it gets them over in a big way. Anthony's very popular. Um, and Jack is very popular. Um, he He was always, you know, popular for um for his like just raw potential and his good looks and just his charm especially like during meet and greets but the way he has bloomed this year um through glg just really can't be understated he's another one where his matches often get like big cheers as he is leaving the arena um, i wish i could rem- remember exactly which match it was but like he he his cheers, you know, are really, really impressive, and people really, really love Jack Morris. Um, and that—that's to say nothing about like what Jake has done, and and the way you get to see Jake's personality bloom with the boys as well. It's it's just charming and wonderful. Um, they have some amazing TikToks, <laughs> and uh, just amazing social media posts. And um, and it's yeah. also great to see what it's done for Tadaske. So like he's he's gotten a lot more attention as well, and he's always been a big fave of mine. So it's great to see him. Shout out to Yohei for giving us, like, the best social media posts, so. Yeah,
0: the social media posts have been huge, because, like, it's been such an interesting way to follow them and get to know their dynamics with each other. Like, they have really funny videos um, that are just so charming. They've made, um, like, Tadasky, like, leader for the day recently. And, like, that was really cool. Like, they just do really cool, lovely things, like, as a group. And you can tell that there's, like, such genuine... Um, camaraderie there that they've built over the, like the past year that they've been a group and like um yeah like and, and to your point about like the mid card sort of comedy stuff like um they get it though like it's not like the sort of like comedy that's like just doesn't land like the stuff that Anthony and then LJ is also able to do it's it really feels like they get Noah and yeah. that's really important like not every single Geico that they bring in feels like they get the culture of Noah and like the culture of the fans Um, but these guys do and that's been like tremendous is to have guys that get it and that love it and that like really actually want to stick around and um, you know hopefully do this for the long haul because it's rare for me that like I get disappointed when Geico Kujan aren't on the cards but like every time Anthony and Jack leave I'm like when the fuck are you coming back? <laughs> like get back here.
1: No, no one said you could leave. Yeah. Right. I said so. it once and I'll say it again. Um, Anthony's like ringside commentary when he seconds um is the best English comment or is the best English content that Noah has going on. Like straight up, it's the yeah. best. So. That's not
0: even hard to achieve. But no, it's um, not <laughs> it's not hard, but at the same time I understand what you mean because like when we were first trying to figure him out, it was like why does he make so many NPC type of comments at Ringside Mirror we like what the hell? But then as like you get to know him and like it just becomes hysterical to hear him like like pierce like through the the crowd noise and everything else going on um to feel hear, no fear like, Jake. Yeah, feel no fear Jake and like that stuff is so funny it's so genuine in the moment like it just kills me
1: it's so good it's so so good yeah yeah i just i love anthony i love all of them yeah. um yeah so uh next up we have best storyline with the caveat that we cannot say diamond ring can office <laughs> we are not allowed to i mean we can talk about it obviously but um, we have talked about this just a little bit in previous episodes that you should absolutely listen to if you haven't. And if you have, listen to them again, Um, especially as we go into this match with Kento and Katsu. But we're not allowed to talk about those right now. Best storyline, that is not Diamond Office, go.
0: Definitely, I I have to say like Jake's entire GHC heavy ring, like I'm not gonna get into like the weeds of it because we just went over it so extensively, but like I cannot... I mean like I think anyone that remembers our end of year from last year um listened to me cry several times trying to talk through a lot of the stuff that happened um in 2022 like when it came to Jake um I was really emotional about Nia um as well so like like a lot of stuff had just happened at the end of 2022 um when we recorded that like we obviously didn't know where Jake was going to go Um, So there was all this uncertainty. And then we kind of thought that he was going to end up in New Japan. And um, I was worried about that, honestly, because I just don't know that that's going to be the right roster or environment for him. I also think that like he's too talented, frankly, to end up on a, I don't know, promotion like that. But basically, uh, I was just worried, like just just worried and wanted him to to land somewhere that he would be happy and be used and you know whatever I could not have imagined that he would show up at the Budokan and then like not even two months after that he would have the GHC heavyweight title and be like even that much closer to winning all three of the major pro titles right like it's it really it felt like a dream Um uh, it also felt like really good fucking revenge after having to listen to people be so fucking cruel to him the year before when he was clearly going through another immensely difficult year after being injured and coming back um he lost the triple crown um the first time in like a terrible way because he he there was an accident with him in honda um he got uh the the break in his face and stuff like that um and then him coming back and people being just like really fucking mean about him up until he left all japan so it did feel um personally very good that he that he won the title and then had this tremendous reign where um he got to have so many professional and personal accomplishments in such a short period of time and like to see a, a person like that who has dealt with a lot in public and has like talked about his unhappiness, be so happy this year and genuinely happy and talk about that happiness. Like that's really, really important to me personally. So yeah, that's definitely a storyline. Um, that's not time into office office um, that I can reference. Um, I'll also say that um, there's a lot to be said about um, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi this year <laughs> Um watching those two develop this year. Um, so what we can call it the business tag storyline. I think that's been really compelling in a lot of ways and has surprised me um as well. So I've wa- I've really enjoyed watching that um develop too. And then um, you know, it feels like a retread, I guess, to to mention it, but like, you know, Keno's rise to where he is right now is also um pretty incredible. It's it's hard not to like keep going, frankly, because Compared to last year, this has been a year of like many incredible storylines, many incredible moments, right? Like just lots of incredible matches. So yeah, that's a sampling, I guess. I'm curious to see what you have.
1: Yeah, I also um, wanted to sort of give a sampling and and choose some like to highlight some different stories that I was kind of invested in. But I did have to also say um, Jake Lee becoming Noah. Like I really couldn't in good conscience talk about storylines without listing that one as like my number one other than diamond office Um, just for all the reasons you stated, like it's, I just was so invested um, the whole way through. And I really don't know if there was like another title reign um, this year in recent memory, where I think everybody could probably list each match in order um, regardless of how it plugged into the story. They were, they probably remember that reign and remember the matches because they, it just was so iconic in that way, and I just, I thought it was incredible, and and seeing Jake Lee really blossom and bloom, like you said, is, it was just beautiful. Um, I also <laughs> said, so I sort of went off of um, how much I translated and was, like, inspired to just, like, translate just because um, for these, um, and I, so I said, um, this one actually comes from Glate, Takenori Ito versus Tokyo Dome City Hall, <laughs> That's sort of a storyline that's going on. It's actually a multi-year storyline, but they talk about it this year when he faces off against um, Hayato Jr. Fujita for the late UWF title. Um, He has never been able to win in Tokyo Dome City Hall for the Glate flag raising um, show. And he has like a real grudge about it. He's always faced outsiders to the Glate promotion. I believe it was Sho and Gata um, the past couple years. And then um, we have Hayato for this year and he has always lost and he just um, starts to, You can really see it like in his comments, the way in his face that he's just um, wearing it down, like it's it's really starting to wear heavy on his soul. And um, he feels like a failure to that promotion and like he was supposed to be the ace, but he can't win in Tokyo Dome City Hall, their biggest match of the year, yada yada. Um, And I was I was really invested in that to the point where I was almost rooting against Hayato Jr. Fujita, where if you know me at all, that's like borderline impossible to make me do. Um, So, but Hayato did win. And I was like, okay, well, he deserves it. It's better. He's the better champion anyway. Um, So, uh, but yeah, like I, I really enjoyed that story actually. And then I also stated... Rising Hayato and Atsuki Aoyagi's sort of ongoing love triangle with the World Junior tag title, um, which is how Rising Hayato sort of phrases this, is that he's like in love with this world title that doesn't love him back. And it it favors Atsuki, who doesn't care about it as much. It just, he just views it as like a consolation prize and just something that naturally belongs to him as the ace. And I think it's just a really cool little beginning. Like they've had their rival Sort of blossoming, but this year um they've really started to to kick it off. And a lot of that comes from Hayato, um, and his own, you know, blooming ability to just tell a story and tell the character. And it's bringing a lot out of Otsky too. Otsky during like the big match where they sort of develop this story. Otsky is an asshole. And he's he's a Nick to Hayato, and he's so cocky, and that's not something that we've seen out of otsuki Like he he has that capability, and he has so much personality, but we don't really get to see that show in a real story setting. But we've started to see that really come into play this year, and I'm really really excited to see how that develops. So I really had to shout that one out.
0: That's such a good one because you're right, like. The way that Hayato has, like, developed in such a short period of time to talk like that and to tell story in that way to convey character and to also raise Atsuki up. Because I think Atsuki is someone who um, is always going to, like, he's not a self-starter. He's always going to need, I think, someone to, like, light the fire for him. Um, Hayato is, like, going to be, like, the best at that for him. And they'll have that natural rivalry because of it. But, like, that sort of storytelling... Is so much being like at the knee of Kento Miyahara, which is like yes. really, really fucking cool. Um, to see Kento's influence in how Hayato is speaking and, and conveying that story, um, that's really fucking cool. I love that, like how Hayato is sewing, um, sort of like his relationship to the title, but also like painting that picture of like him and Atsuki as rivals. Because what have we like really learned, right? Like, just in talking about rivals so much this year, um. You have to build them and Hayato is showing that he absolutely can build a
1: rivalry. Yeah, he's, and he's very rivalry minded. Um, that's why he started that um, All Japan Z show that he's, um, those produced shows, which are really, really popular, um, two sold out. And then he has one in February. And one of his reasonings was, I want young people like myself to be able to build rivals for the future. Like he he knows wrestling, he understands wrestling, and he he really puts value in it. I just think that's cool. I think he's neat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is neat. He's super he- neat.
1: So yeah, I'm glad I got to talk about them. Yay. (laughs) All right. So next up is best moments, which uh, not so much best story, but they do tie into stories, but best moments. So now we can talk about diamond. Um, I'm
0: going to throw a bunch at you because I couldn't really like pick.
1: Um, It was really
0: hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a few and I'll try not to get into the weeds here, but um and they're not in any particular order this is just sort of yeah, the yeah, order which they occurred to me but um I have Yuma Aoyagi defeats Kento Miyahara in a singles match for the first time this is on April 8th um in Corican Hall and I specifically put this in as a moment because of Yuma's like celebration when he has the pin afterward um his joy is like so exhilarating every time I've seen it like oh my god, I was so fucking proud of him. Like, um, that, watching him get that um, felt as good as watching him win the Triple Crown, frankly, against Nagata. Like, he worked so fucking hard for that win against Kento, so absolutely, um, that post-match celebration for me. Um, Kento Miyahara's promo post-match at Muto's Last Love Holdout Retirement Show, um, which was February 21st um, in the Tokyo Dome. Um, This promo, like, still lives in me it made me weep um when Rachel translated it out um it's one of the most powerful things that I think he's ever said um in a promo it was like very personal sounding for him in terms of how he talks about um Katsuhiko and his past with Diamond Ring um highly recommend that you um go through Rachel's Twitter account and find um the translation again or just go listen to our episode Um, multiple episodes at this point on um, private office this year but it was a powerful promo after that match and um, I certainly won't forget that it really has lived in me this year um katsuhiko takes off his congo shirt in the ring and shinjuku face folds it and places it at keno's feet of course may 31st um at shinjuku face i spoke about that before um but that also um made me incredibly emotional uh we talk about that extensively in our episode um shinjuku, shinjuku face on a wednesday so go re-listen to that if you haven't been listening to that in a while i guess I just uh, reference this as well, but I did like put down that just Jake debuts for Pro Wrestling Noah um, in the Budokan and then wins the GHC Heavyweight Championship. So I won't have to go into too many details about that. I talked about this moment on Talking Triple Crown, but Kento Miyahara apologizes to Masa Kidemiya and acknowledges uh, his name. He's no longer Mitsuhiro. Oh, um, he uses Masa. This happened on March 22nd, 2023 at Ota City General Gymnasium. Um, I just think that there's a lot to this moment. Obviously, it was stunning that Kento really, truly, em- empathetically apologized to Masa for how he had treated him and then acknowledged his name and started calling him Masa and not... Um uh, Mitsuhiro, I think that if you are a um a trans fan of wrestling, if you are someone who has just chosen um a different name for yourself in general, you can deeply resonate with this moment of someone um, apologizing and then acknowledging you by the name that you have chosen. So um, in that way, I think it's a deeply powerful moment that played out in 2023 wrestling. And I think we have to acknowledge it that way, frankly. Um, The next moment I wrote down is just the entire experience of the diamond office storyline from the announcement of the Tokyo dome match in January all the way on through one night dream and then katsuhiko coming into all japan and where we stand just a couple days away from uh katsuhiko kento 2 in the same calendar year which is feels like another dream right we get to watch it together we get to watch it together which is tremendous this is my roman empire um this is something that's been like a in my brain for years and years trying to understand the relationship between these two. So um, I couldn't have asked for, for more um, in this being the dominant story this year, at least in my brain for me too, as, as um, a queer um, wrestling fan, who sort of grew up under tremendously uh, difficult familial circumstances. um, This story reads to me like a complex family drama Um, It feels like a Mike Flanagan drama at times, frankly. Um, So for me as as a queer fan, um, to see so much of that played out um, in wrestling, it it does resonate deeply. And so to have been able to um, talk about them so much this year and to explore this and to be able to pour over all of these older articles with Rachel to have Kana help and um to just talk about the story so much from these different perspectives um has been deeply um rewarding for for me from that perspective so um yeah, that's awesome and then the last one I wrote down is Maru Ken. Uh, reunite for the first time since 2014 to face Takashi Sugira and Toshi Kojima at the Nippon Budokan for the GHC heavyweight titles uh, the second time they have challenged for the heavyweight belts in their time as a tag team and of course this was January 1st um, at the Nippon uh, Budokan this is a huge like comfort match for me at this point I've watched it a lot this year Um, it was tremendous I wish we had seen I wish we had seen more of Maru Ken Um, this year but for this one um, appearance it was wonderful it had just like those those you know sort of pops of just them and and what they were um, when they were tagging regularly together and um, it's a good little fucking match Kojima has a moment in it that makes me laugh every time as if it's like I'm watching it for the first time (laughs) Um, so yeah tremendous stuff this was a year like I said before of of just moments. Like I could have written probably 30 things into this list because it was just a good year for moments. And frankly, this year felt like it was an apology for how hard <laughs> yeah. um, 2022 was for me, at least. So uh, yeah, that's what I got.
1: Yeah, I think you, you, I I was like going through a checklist to, to see how many like you would get that I had written down. <laughs> and I was like nodding the whole time. Like, "Yep, yeah, that's on there. That's on there. That's on So, um, yeah, yeah, really just about like everything. Um, I didn't write down any dates on mine. So, um, just as a forwarding, um, one thing you didn't mention that, that really stood out to me was um, Keno's in-ring at backstage uh, promo after facing Yoshiki Inamura, which I've talked about at length. But um, it really encapsulates who Keno is, um, where Inamura stands, Yoichi, sorry, um, stands, and um, just, like, who he wants to become, who Keno wants to be, and what he is finally becoming, like you said, just being able to see him um, turn into that, like in that backstage promo, he even says like, listen up someday soon. He will be facing me for the GHC. And, and now we really get to see that like step forward towards, you know, that happening and seeing Keno's own vision for the future that he foretold in that promo start to come true. And it's, it's just really, really, um, phenomenal to see. Um, I also did put down Kaito kicking Okada because like, That was just something else. (laughs) I mean, it's really good to see Kaito just become that person as well. Like these are things we've already talked about during this episode. Um, I also said, and and this ties into what you've already talked about, was Kento appearing um, for Pro Wrestling NOAH after that tag match. Um, Actually, that's March 19th. I do know the date to that one. (laughs) Um, uh, March 19th, 2023, where Kento confronts Masakita Mia, and um tells him, like he he realizes for the you know, first time that he had been calling uh, Masakita Mia Mitsuhiro when Masa changed his name and he straight up says, like, um, when did that happen? Nobody told me, which again plays into that, like that family drama where it's like this estranged brother just found out. That you know his his brother had changed his name, and nobody had told him, and he has this offense to his voice, and then he says like you're still one hundred years too early to call yourself masa Kita Mia, which just is burned into my brain um because I resonate very very um deeply with masa and his um drive to just honor masa Saito and um and as you know a queer person who you know, has loved someone, um, and lost them. They, you don't really know if you're doing right by them. You don't know if you're making them proud. Um, but you're doing the best that you can. Um, and to be told that like, you're not, (laughs) um, and you're not doing this person that, that you've done nothing, but try to honor proud. And and Masa, you know, rises up and and just needs to fight Kento about that, even though he was content to ignore Kento. Um, he has to, he has to do that. He has to do it for himself. Uh that's that's a lot. <laughs> that that was really, really powerful and beautiful. And um, and the fact that, you know, we do get that beautiful apology from Kento and um masa doesn't have to forgive him he doesn't have to accept it um all of that just resonates very very loudly like with you know with queer with trans people and you know i'm i am included in that yeah that that was absolutely one of them and i'm glad you mentioned that as well because it's it's just very very uh palpable (laughs) yeah so i think those were like the ones that you didn't mention because everything else was just yeah. That's, <laughs> um yeah, I was trying to like think of some from like DDT and and there were great moments um in DDT and there were great moments in other promotions that I've I've been watching. Um, of course, like Hayato winning um the late UWF title on the anniversary of his return um July 1st. That that you know, that's an amazing moment as well. But, um, just like the way that Noah and all Japan have like gotten into, gotten into my brain (laughs) this year and they're, they're already in my brain, but like the way that they appealed so specifically to my interests this year really cannot be understated. Um, Yumao Yagi winning the title and becoming that guy, um, was phenomenal to see the rise of, of Riki Honda, everything Rising Hayato did and said, um. Shotharo uh, yeah.
0: Ashino winning oh, yeah, Champion that, yeah. Carnival. And then of course, like, um, it's, it's of course coming at a weird time because it's like the end of the year, but it really needs to be said more that like Katsuhiko leaving Noah, going into yeah. all Japan, winning the Triple Crown, and then also winning Real World Tag League is an incredible set of achievements. Um, Those are all incredible moments. It made me very emotional to see him in the ring with Hokuto, um, yeah, Hokuto after they figuring won. Out his character his Hokuto, yeah, figuring out his character <laughs> yeah. during that Railroad Tag League run, but then them standing in the ring together, it's Hokuto's, obviously like, this is a huge um, achievement for him, his first Railroad Tag League win and Katsuhiko has the, they're with the, the you know, the, the trophies for the tournament win, but then Katsuhiko still has the Triple Crown. Like, that is, that's stunning. That's incredible. And it's, you know, we're huge fans of Katsuhiko Nakajima, so for us those are those are big moments
1: yeah yeah it really is it's it really is just amazing and then yeah i kind of wish i did put like for storyline just the way like hokuto's character developed because we get to see him work it out in live time and that's that's really cool too yeah Um, i would put
0: that as a storyline for me as well like that really was like um out of nowhere like (laughs) such a incredible thing to watch happen
1: yeah, yeah. From like bowing to Suzuki, and, and we're like, okay, yeah, maybe this will work. And and it still he couldn't quite get there, and he he had the elbow moment, couldn't quite get there. He had this encounter with um, Nakajima all together again. We're like, okay, you know this this is a great inciting moment, and it still didn't quite happen until Nakajima comes back into his life, and he starts to really put all the pieces together, and they they form, and it's just really cool. <laughs> It's, it's what makes Perro great is that we get to see these people develop. And even if they don't have it all figured out, we get to watch it happen. And and yeah, it's just special. <laughs> so that brings us to what was like definitely the hardest for me. And that's uh, best matches.
0: <laughs> yeah, best matches was super hard. Um, let me see. Yeah, here we go. So I ended up, I'm going to give you six. I know we wrote down five, but I'm giving you six. So these are also not written in any particular order, just as what, you know, sort of occurred to me. Um, but I have Kento Miyahara and Takya Namura versus Yuma Aoyagi and Danaya Nomura at Cork in January 22nd, 2023. Um, I've talked extensively about this tag throughout the year, but this really set the tone, I think, for the year in terms of the quality of matches we were going to receive Um across the industry really i think it's been a good year for wrestling overall um but this tag is like just so special it is so all japan this was the right people in the ring and it's nomoyagi winning and it's just incredibly special so watch that um katsuko nakajima keno and manabu soya Versus Kento Miyahara, Suwama, and Yuma at the Tokyo Dome. This is Mudo show, obviously, so February 21st, 2023. Um, I compulsively watched this match. It's like a comfort match for me. Because um, it was so fucking amazing. It was it was literally amazing to see them in a ring together after those many years. Um, not being in a ring together, Katsu and, and uh, Kento. Kento. And it is legitimately a fucking great match. Um, so, so good. <laughs> I'm a tag match person, so this was right up my fucking alley. I loved every moment of this. It was just great. Um, I put Katsupiko Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara. Um, this is One Night Dream Cork and Hall July fifteenth. I mean, we wrote an entire um episode on this, like a three hour episode on One Night Dream. So go listen to that. But I can't say enough about um this match. I wrote down Jake Lee versus Naomichi Marafuji. That's the, the Jake uh, match I wound up going with this year. But it's, again, it's, it's really fucking hard because you could go with any of the Jake matches. Um, I really struggled um, at points between like the Keno match, um, the Katsuhiko match, and then rewatching the Sugira match. I was like, shit, this is really good. Um, but the Marafuji matches, is Goku-Kogukika on, on May 4th. Um, just a stellar match for all the reasons we talked about before. Um, I of course wrote down Takashi Sugira and Satoshi Kojima versus Namichi Marafuji and Kenda Maru Ken, uh, Nippon Budokan January 1st, 2023 and mind you, my my matches of the year always align with um, my, my things that I love and that I'm going to reach for and rewatch constantly not necessarily what you or anyone listening would consider the best matches of the year these are the best matches for me and my selfish little whims so this match would make it on for me <laughs> But I love this match. It was it was so special. Um, this announcement at the end of 2022 um, was great, especially because it landed right before Jake said he was leaving all Japan. Um, so very important match for me to have at the start of 2023 as well. And then I also wrote down Keno um, versus Katsuhiko Nakajima, Shinjuku Face, May 31st, 2023. We did an entire episode about that too, Shinjuku Face, on a Wednesday. If you haven't listened to that, please go ahead um, and listen to that. But that was a special special match to sum up what like a two-year storyline essentially um that meant so much to um three-year
1: storyline thereabouts yeah
0: that meant so much to me and um and Rachel um and has continued to mean so much to us so yeah that's my my top matches this year
1: yeah those are those are really good mine also just like reflect my little my little world my interests um I did pick 5 and then I guess an honorable mention so technically 6 um and Kenno is in four of them so you know it is what it is um uh, but but yeah um yeah so my my honorable mention um is actually um Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos from April 1st um WrestleMania and it, it just I mean, I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan. I, I always have been, always will be. Um, he was like my sort of intro to wrestling. And it was just really important. Um, sort of the circumstances in which I watched that match. I was actually an anime convention. Um, and I was competing um, all alone. <laughs> I didn't have any friends at the con I, I because of different circumstances. And um, I um, was so nervous for Alicia. I had to like listen to all of my like, dooming and glooming but I actually walked away with my very first best in show um for my craftsmanship and um so I sort of was just floored and I sort of dazed and walked back to my hotel room and I kind of noticed what time it was oh right Wrestlemania is on isn't that right and I messaged my friend to ask where they like what was you know going on how the show was going and he messaged me like oh sammy's about to go on right now for the main event you you get in this discord server right now um and i turned it on right at the entrances and just watched it with some friends um that you know i watched wrestling with like years and years and years ago and um it was like a reunion cuz I, I you know i sort of moved away from wwe and started watching um, pro exclusively but um it really reminded me why i got into wrestling and um just like hearing all these all these grown men cry <laughs> over, over this beautiful moment of friendship and, and it was just a great story it was a phenomenal match um and i've i've rewatched it since which says a lot um so yeah yeah that one i had to give an honorable mention to i just I just couldn't in good conscience totally leave it out um but as for like my my real like list list um I, I did sort of put them in order. Um, number five would be Kento Miyahara, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kaito Kiyomiya versus Yuma Aoyagi, Kazuchika Okada, and Kenno And that's June 9th, 2023, all together again. Um, just a really good match. Amazing character work from everybody involved. Um, we've talked about this match at length with our all together again review. Um, I really, I just really like the way that like, Kazuchika Okada and Keno react to each other and um, give like that respect to each other, which is just huge coming from Okada, another one that like nobody stands equal to him. But, you know, he has this moment with Keno and they give this respect to each other. And that really is what sort of positions Keno into where he is now. It's like, yeah, okay, he is like Noah's Okada effectively. Like, I mean, not role wise, not at all, but like he is he is a face. Of the company it's just really really cool to see and then kento um still managing to be the last one in the ring and and getting cheered out of the arena and then um walking out with yumao yaki thus, like sort of kick-starting that business tag storyline that you've talked about um was just just great it was just really cool and it left me wanting more which is what all great master matches should do um and then i had number four is jake lee versus keno um October 28th 2023 I I just can't say enough about that match it's it's incredible it's beautiful I cried buckets um yeah that's I mean that's it um I as soon as that like final kick happened I literally just like messaged everyone he did it before even like the keto special was landed I was like this is it he won I know he won um I felt it in my soul and uh yeah it, it was just the moment um yeah can't really say anything more about that that I haven't already said. Um, Next is Kaito Kiyomiya versus Keno on January 1st, 2023. And that one's actually more for Kaito's story. Um, Of course, Keno is Keno and, and always will be. I wrote a massive like 3,000 word essay on that match. So I really can't say anything more about it that I haven't already said, but it is a miracle match in its own way. And it really just um, defines what Noah is. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing Keno do that again. Hopefully something slightly less homicidal than that Falcon Arrow. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure he's cooked up something that's going to stop my heart against, uh, soya. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, it just really speaks to the trust those two have and, and the willingness they are to put their lives on the line for Noah. I, I just loved what Kaito and Keno did there. I was, I thought, thought it was amazing. Um, Next is uh number two, Katsuko Nakashima versus Kento Miyahara, um, July 15th, 2023. I mean, of course it is. It's it's one night dream, and we did an episode on that. Uh, masterful match, just incredible, incredible match. Um, and I had to listen, I, I mentioned it before, I've listened to our one night dream episode before. Um I had to rewatch the match and listen to it. And I'm actually going to listen to it probably again on my train up to see Alicia. Um, so I can take notes on the match. (laughs) Um, so I am ready to watch Kento and Katsu too. Um, because that's how much I love that match is that I want to sit down and take more notes on it. So, uh, so yeah, that speaks to that match. And then, um, number one, I just couldn't can't shake it. It's it's just an incredible match. It's Kenno versus Katsuko Nakajima, um, Shinjuku Face on a Wednesday, May thirty first, uh, twenty twenty three, and yeah, Alicia said what we've already said. I just was incredible i I spent i don't think i left my bed i got in bed after work and turned that match on and then i just didn't leave all day i just wanted to sit there in my bed and think about that match just the bow at the end the t-shirt like everything about it was just beautiful it speaks to who they they are who what their rivalry is um and that it's it's just not over and it will never be over um and you know that match still is so relevant as now like Kano refuses to talk about Nakajima despite, you know, people bringing him up to to Kano all the time and and if you know Kano at all him not talking about someone is louder than him talking about them. Um like he didn't talk about Jake Lee until until he was ready to uh to take the title. So yeah, it's um it's just a beautiful match and I said this I think on Twitter after the match happened, sometimes you just want to know that the things you love matter. <laughs> And that match just really reminds you that the things you invest in and the things you love matter. And the wrestlers are creating these stories and they're creating them for you to get invested in and to read into and to think too much about and and that it's not just wrestling. Um, And that's the match that makes me remember that and makes this and makes this podcast and talking to you guys with alicia worth doing um and yeah so it had to be number one it just had to be number one.
0: that's so beautifully summed up and said thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that and i do want to say you brought something up um that I, I don't think we said in the really fully at least in the in this episode maybe we mentioned it in Shinjuku Face, but um Really like that match in the way that Cauzopico has left Noah. Like they have just presented themselves as Maruken for a different yeah. generation. So you sort of see that carried on, which is a lot to to think about. But it is no less true.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of what Kano is doing right now is very don't get buried. Yeah, it yeah. is very don't get buried. Very don't get buried. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So that brings us to Wrestler of the Year, our big one.
0: Yeah. So we have Wrestler of the Year and we also have Runner Up, which was, it's very, very hard this year.
1: I said a lot of runner
0: ups. <laughs> yeah. Like, so is like a shitload of runner ups. I'm going to try to be succinct because we're already going long and I have a hungry cat waiting on me right now. But my Wrestler of the Year, I believe, is Yuma Aoyagi. I, I really think that he. Again, self-actualize. Like he really, you know, hold it together this year to present himself as someone who can believably and um and and well, you know, and believably and 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 do well in leading um, all Japan forward. Um, especially as we move away from um, you know, we're we're in this post-next stream sort of era, as Lou, uh, Captain Lou, if you will, uh, so correctly said one of the last times I think we had him on the show, so. Yeah, like he he's really stepped up. Um, he got to do so many things this year that if you've been following Yuma's story for a long time, these sh- things should have resonated with you. Um, he got to beat Kento Miyahara in a singles match. He got to win the Triple Crown against Nagata. Um, he got to defend that Triple Crown against Kento Miyahara. Like um, he had an incredible, um, tidy Triple Crown reign. I mean, Um, One of the best, and we talked about this on Talking Triple Crown as well, but just one of the best reigns from someone like coming up in their first heavyweight um, reign that we've seen, I think, in a while. And he is the heart of that promotion. He is the beating heart of that promotion. Um, He is someone who uh, is surprisingly, I think, rather emotional compared to his peers, too. And you just get that sort of like heart on his sleeve sort of um, behavior from Yuma that I think really adds a lot to um the landscape in um all japan like all japan could not could not be what it is right now without yuma aoyagi and um i truly believe that so i think that he is our wrestler of the year in that way runner-up is difficult because there's like a bajillion people that i could put here like um i'm not gonna go into too many details but like i can put kento here for his incredible performances this year I could put Jake Lee for his incredible performance this year and just everything that Jake has dealt with in terms of like adversity, like alone, like would get him into either wrestler of the year or runner up, right? Like so Kento and Jake, but Katsuhiko deserves to be here too. I think that he's going to get overlooked for wrestler of the year and runner up in a lot of people's, you know, polls, whatever. Um, but when you look at Katsukiko, even on paper, um, really hard to find a bad match on that guy's, uh, you know, cage match or whatever, right? Like, I think that's the funny thing about Katsukiko. And I hope what he can do moving forward um, as he kind of explores being freelance or whatever's going to end up happening with him. He is someone who always has a tremendous year. He always has tremendous matches. He's a tremendous wrestler. He's a great performer. He's an even better performer now than he was even a couple of years ago, right? He's got to find a way to stand out so that he is once again undeniable in the way that Kento Mihara talked about him at the one night dream presser. Right. Yeah. Many years ago, you were the fucking guy. You were, you know, I'm going to use the word undeniable. He's got to find that again. I think so that people remember that like this guy hasn't had a bad match this year, hasn't had a bad singles match. And you always, he shows up for house shows. He shows up for, um, you know, pay-per-views it doesn't matter. You always get a good match out of him. But he's had so many incredible matches um, this year. Like even if you go all the way back to the Congo um, Lij show, like his match against Shingo, oh, yeah, it's so good, so incredibly fucking good, and like completely overrated. But I love going back and um, watching that one again. It's so good. Um, so yeah, I just I just think there's a lot to be said, and and for him and Kento to have sold out Corkin really hard to do right now in this era. He deserves a lot of credit, so I'll choose those three as my my runner ups.
1: Perfect choices. Um, yeah, my wrestler of the year is Kenno. <laughs> um, I shouldn't really need to say why at this point. Um, yeah, just uh, incredible brain for wrestling, incredible mind for the industry. Wants you know the wants wrestling. To be good and wants the industry to succeed and wants everyone to get money and get good, you know, be able to eat. Um, and he's just vocal and smart and incredible. And the matches are great too. <laughs> he's he is also a very good uh, was it work rate wrestler. Um, he's innovative. He's smart in the ring. He's very character focused. He's great at communicating with the audience. Like he's he's just these the total package that's really all there is to it um runner up i did put jake lee because i you know jake lee would be the wrestler of the year I think if people weren't weird about Jake Lee, everybody on earth would agree <laughs> that like Jake Lee was the wrestler of this year. Like he had an incredible run. He had, you know, I'm going to say it. Like he had a run on, on par with like go Shiyazaki's fourth reign, actually better. Cause there was no Fujita match. Um, So like, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he had a match, maybe if he drank like, hand sanitizer or whatever people wouldn't be as weird about him but i'm pretty sure they still would be but like flat out it it was a legendary run and he's an amazing wrestler an amazing storyteller and he he deserves that runner-up but you're right like yumao yagi kento katsuko nakashima they all just were incredible this year and and you really should be checking out their stuff and you need to be keeping an eye on what they're doing because they are now at the forefront of the industry and uh yeah they will set a tone for the future
0: so incredibly um, well said. Absolutely. I mean, like, even just what you said about O. like, I, I, how do I not put him on a list, right? Like, but that's like the, that's the quality of wrestling that we had this year. Like, there are so many people that um, it's the middle gen, frankly, it's so many people that stepped up to the plate and are demonstrating like the power of this wrestling industry when all is said and done. So yeah, that's where we are. That's the end of the year. That's kick out for now. Uh, thank you guys so much again for listening and for all of your support. Again, you know we're going to be on hiatus, coming back in for 2024, but we will be communicative about our plans, and we'll always be available um, on the Kickout Twitter accounts and our personal Twitter accounts. You can find me Alicia at Sharanui Kai with two eyes, and of course me and Rachel um, at Kickout two nine nine on Twitter or over at Instagram if that's your if that's your bag, I guess. Um, So please continue to keep in touch with us. We'll continue to keep um, in touch with you. Rachel, do you want to tell people um, where they
1: can find you as well? No. (laughs) <laughs> no, you can you can find me. I I don't want anyone to to see me. now. I uh, I post my uh, my little lore threads and my translations and stuff on Twitter here and there until I finally decide to just like start posting them on the blog so you can actually search for them, um, which I might do, especially for that kento backstage. But uh, until then, you can find me on Twitter at Milky Star. That's M I I K Y Star. And uh, yeah, for Alicia and I both, uh, we are kick out two nine nine and we will talk to you eventually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you all so much. and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you eventually or or maybe even soon.